Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I mean, what in the blue hell is going on in this world? It was us. We jinxed it. We already taped this intro talking about how excited we were to watch the basketball game tomorrow night. And I know it looks like they're going to bring an assistant coach and Maybe. try to get through the game. But like that, that's that been the update in the last two minutes. Literally, you just told me after we got done taping the intro that we got to redo it because Pelfrey tested positive. Yeah, so that's what happened. We did the intro just a couple minutes ago. I go on peaks as I always do, force a habit, and there I see Pelfrey tested positive and this game might be canceled. So I called Ward. I'm like, we got to just let people know that we're not total idiots and we knew what was happening, but we're not happy about it. We hope they, I don't care if they have to go get Dr. Fauci to be the assistant coach. Let him, let him coach the team this week. I mean, just play the game for the love of everything. Holy, we need it. I'm guessing Dr. Fauci would tell them to cancel the game. I, I don't think we want him on the bench. All right, look, let's just let's just let people listen. Hold on. I do want to oh, say, we're go of course, into more detail. no, no, we're not. We're going to go into a little bit of humanity and compassion, if you don't mind. I've had a scare in the family here. It's not exactly over yet. Um, so it really hit home with me in the last 24 hours of what this virus could potentially do, could potentially mean to a family. So while my initial reaction is to feel bad for myself and Hoosier fans who want to see this team take the court, I do wish Coach Pelfrey a very speedy recovery because it is nasty stuff. And uh, let's keep everybody safe and, and then play some basketball. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Well, we tried. Look, we did our part. I feel we didn't do our part. I think we needed to have Coach Allen back on last week to re-up that undefeated mojo he'd been carrying through the first few weeks of the season. But but you cannot blame him 
or those players and the effort they gave. So I, I would rather blame us. We took all the credit for them being undefeated. This one's on us. It might be because I came over and watched the game responsibly in your backyard. It's the first time you've watched a game with us, me and the goons, and we lost. We so lost. You, you got to take a little bit more of the blame than I do. You invited me. It was your idea for me to come over there. So actually, you take more of the blame. Ooh, that is a good point. <laughs> I don't have a real argument against that. But let's talk about this for a second, because I've been thinking about this a lot since the game. I mean, exciting game. That The fight that they showed in that second half was remarkable. Even the fight they showed right after the first drive where Ohio State just smacked us in the mouth. You know, what was it, two plays and they scored a touchdown or something like that, two or three plays. But then we came back, we scored, got some stops, interceptions, like all that. And look, everybody's broken down the game, so we don't need to break down the game. But I will say this. We have beat Ohio State before. We beat them back in Anthony Thompson's days. It was 33 years ago. They've beaten us, what, 26 in a row, 25, 26 in a row, something like that. It's a record on many levels. Yep, it is. But when we beat them before, they weren't good. Ohio State was not good in the years that we beat them. I think we beat them in back-to-back -back years, and they were not a good football team. And in the prior years that we have played them close over the last decade, there's been a couple games that we've been close on. They were really good, and we were not. Mm -hmm. And no one went into those games thinking we ever had a chance. And let's be honest, we were probably the game that Ohio State looked past to see who they were playing in the next week. That's what we have been historically. The difference is this was the game of the week nationally. This was the game that everyone was talking about really for two weeks because when we beat um, Michigan, it was like, all right, now Ohio State is the next big one. We just got to get through, you know, you know the, um, who was it, uh, Michigan State, who's not very good. It was the fourth highest rated college football game of the entire season. Yeah, amazing. Ohio State was a, is a very good football team and probably a college football playoff national championship contender. We are a good football team. We came into this game with no one looking past anything. In fact, Ohio State's schedule, this was the game that they had to win. Yeah. Because the rest of their schedule, they're playing cupcakes. We were the game for them. And they had two weeks to prepare for us. And they were at home. I get it, no fans, but it's still a comfort level to have the routine that you have. You know the you know the stadium, you know where you're going, you know the sight lines, the, yeah. The whole everything. thing's familiar. And we went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, especially in that second half where we outplayed them in the second half. This is different than any of those prior Ohio State games. This program is different. The feeling around it is different. These players are different. And it all goes back to our guy, Coach Tom Allen. I mean, I mean my God. I'm, I'm tuning in to SportsCenter because I'm so proud of the guys. And it's not after a normal loss for, for my teams where I will avoid SportsCenter right. social media until the hype for the next week's game or the next game is coming. This one, I was like, no, I want to see – how this is portrayed at the national level and it leads sports center. It's the first five minutes of the show. Ohio state gets their just due, but how do they end the whole five minute lead piece? 
is with Coach Allen's speech in the locker room. Yeah. It's whether we win or lose, people know that this guy is special, has a very special passion and message to convey to his players that's you know it's not just us this this is something we can now look at objectively and being like the country is taking notice of this man and what he's doing with this program yeah and specifically lebron james is taking notice of it and you get a tweet from lebron james talking about michael Penix. high school kids notice that mm-hmm. they do that is super super cool on the NFL game of the week, Packers, Colts, that you, of course, had a vested interest in with the Colts, you and I, at the same exact time, you're like, hey, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, who went to IU, but Troy Aikman brought it up, are talking about how good Tom Allen and Indiana football is. I tweeted out, it gets a ton of likes and and views. The country, sports figures all across various sports were talking about Indiana football. That has never been the case no nope. ever and and i will say this this coming saturday against maryland is as big of a game for this football program as any that they will play because we've played really good teams before and come close and not gotten over the hump and then we just crap the bed for the rest of the season we come out saturday and show maryland who we really are play a good 60 minutes of football five and one if we win the game then it's like, there is no, I don't think there's any fool's gold in any of this, but you come out and smoke Maryland like we should. And then it's like, oh my God. Like, in, I watched Alan's press conference today. He said, somebody asked him a question like, you know, the, the highlights and this and that. Like, are you building a brand? And he got a little upset about it because he was like, we're building a program. That's what we're building here. We're not building a veneer. We're not building a slogan. We're not building a t-shirt. We're building a program. And that's what he's doing. And beating a team like Maryland on Saturday to put you at five and one and in a really good position for the rest of the year, that's what a good program does. So I am so excited for Saturday. Yeah. There is a world, a world of Indiana athletics happening before Saturday. There is. My final note on the football is – it's about taking care of your business. If if you're one of the best teams in the country, then even against other solid teams like Maryland, you just take care of business. You never see an Alabama or a Clemson slip up. With other teams, other coaches, I think people would be like, well, you know, they got to be careful. A little bit of a letdown. There's been so much buildup from Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, and now here's Maryland. But Maryland's 2-1. and one. But but with this coach and this team, I'm really not going to stay up at night worried about them being ready and having their mind right for this game. That that seems like something that will be taken care of as soon as they get back to practice. Probably that was today. Yeah, I mean, they had meetings today for sure. I don't know if they practiced, but they definitely had meetings. And you know that Coach Tom Allen was all over them because every – press conference he's done since then every interview he's done he's pissed off how we played on Saturday he's not happy about losing by seven he's pissed off that we gave up the the running game that we gave up he's pissed off that we could not run the game run the ball at all he's pissed off that we fumbled and didn't turn interceptions into points that dude is not happy until we win 
every game that we can win, which is every game that we play right now. And that's amazing. Even in that after game speech, he was saying all the right things. And of course he meant them, but he was fuming. He was fuming, which is where you want him, right? That's where, that is where you want him. That for a good program. And look, I don't think of us as Alabama and Clemson. I don't. That is where he envisions this program. I don't know if he showed up to work this season and said, we're going to be able to be be or beat the very best of the best. But eh, he almost did with, with a program that is in the same sentence as Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. He's got more chances to prove it because I do think like – Doing it on Saturday against Maryland is part of proving it. And then there's Wisconsin coming up. And that yeah. is a, a big one. So super exciting. Uh, but again, a world is happening before Saturday. That, that is great because it distracts us from being obsessive about the football program and gives us something else to get excited about. Ward, what are you doing on Wednesday night? I'm hoping that there is a basketball game. <laughs> Uh, as soon as the, the the dust settled from the Ohio State game and that realization hit that the next big Indiana game involved the round ball, the basketball, the hoops. And then, of course, every time you hear it mentioned, it's like, well, we're hoping it will work out and we got the testing down. That looks OK, but it's just so touch and go right now. I, I'm almost protecting myself from getting too excited because I think I anticipate this team taking care of business. When I keep hearing, you know, from the radio show recap, we just read this team likes each other. This team's together. A lot of the stuff you see coach Allen preaching, it seems like this hoops team, they just have an affinity for each other. They come out onto the court as one because every obstacle coach Miller talked about this team having, you know, we're not quite strong enough. We're not in game shape. We need games that applies to every single program across yeah. the country. Agreed. So like any other season, we're all starting on an equal playing field. When we're going up against uh, a program of this caliber, we just have to handle them the entire game. Like I want 40 minutes of being like, we are clearly the better team, both talent wise and execution wise from start to finish. I agree. Am, I, and, am I setting myself up for aggravation and anger? For sure. But that's what we do. <laughs> I mean, that's what we do. But it's also like for you, it's Christmas morning. For me, it's the first night of Hanukkah. It's we get to unwrap the gifts right now. You know, mm -hmm. like many times, you know, kind of you think, you know, what gifts you're getting, but then the joy of actually opening them. We kind of think we know who Trey Galloway is and who Christian Lander is and Anthony Leal and Jordan Geronimo, we think we know what Trace Jackson Davis's upward projection is going to be. And we think we know all that stuff. And now we get to see it. And look, I was looking back at some pictures. You and I were together the last time Indiana played, the Nebraska game. We yeah. watched that game together. Let's just say that I look like a different human being since the last time Indiana played. I mean, I have about four and a half pounds of facial hair since the last time Indiana played. A, it feels like a lifetime has passed between the last game and this game. And for people that are Hoosier hysterics like us, you set your clock to Indiana basketball. You set your calendar to Indiana basketball. So the enthusiasm and the passion and the joy of watching Indiana 
is so overwhelming. I, I am literally on pins and needles waiting for it. So much so, I want to also mention this. I'm making a whole day of it. My daughters are coming over at 10.30 a.m. and we're going to put the BTN Plus game where the women are opening their season, 10.30 a.m. our time. So we're going to watch that game at 10.30 a.m. We're going to see the the top 10 women's teams smoke, whoever the hell they're playing. We're going to watch that. Then I got a little work to occupy my time. I'm like trying to set up my day so that I don't have any downtime. And then it'll be time for the Indiana game. So look, man, I'll just touch on this. There's been a lot of bad news for Indiana basketball over the last several weeks. We've touched on it. The recruiting is sucked. Look at Ward just going right to a nicotine. <laughs> you say you say we touched on it. I was like, we belabored it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> All, on air and off air. We're not going to do that today. But suffice to say, it would be nice to have some really good news. And the good news is the thing we all love the most watching Indiana basketball play is happening Wednesday, barring COVID. And that is exciting as hell. I cannot wait. We're probably going to the final four and it's going to all kick off on Wednesday evening. It's the thing. It's the reason we started this podcast. We love to live in this space before and after, but it's the during it's those 40 minutes where the clock's running and our boys are out there doing their thing. And I am glad that we can have one of these buy games barring COVID uh, because I don't want to go up against like a really awesome team right away and immediately start picking things apart. We're going to pick things apart no matter what. I don't want you to start picking things apart and me having to try to rationalize or deflect them, how they're not going to be an issue through the season. So I'm really just hoping that we have a couple of good, solid performances by both. Well, let's say all three, the ladies Hoosiers, the men's Hoosiers and the football Hoosiers, because between the Ohio State game and then the Colts Packers game, this weekend did take several years off my life. Sure, sure. So if we could just look great in all aspects this week, that would shore me up for whatever's to come afterwards. And it is Thanksgiving week. And, you know, to be sentimental for a second, I am thankful that I am an Indiana University fan. I am thankful that my dad and mom went to Indiana University and raised me a Hoosier fan. I am thankful for the Indiana University basketball program. And I'm thankful for Tom Allen and all that. And we may get into more of that thankful stuff on a, in a different platform. But I'm just really happy going into Wednesday and cannot wait. I am going to ask you this. Okay. What is the one thing that you would like to see? One, you can't pick more than one and I'll do the same that you would, and and it can't be like, I just want to smoke them by 40. What is the one aspect of the game, either from an individual or from a team perspective that you want to see on Wednesday night? I want to see spacing on the offensive end that is paid off with consistent shots falling from the outside. All right, that's good. I want to see fewer than 12 turnovers. You know, I've been harping on turnovers for years that it has been the, it was the Achilles heel along with defense, but really of Crean's teams. I mean, we would score a lot of points and still turn the ball over over 20 times a game or 18 times a game. It's been the Achilles heel of a lot of bad games for Archie Miller's teams. The first two years were atrocious on turnovers. We got better last year, but not good enough, especially in big games. This isn't a big game other than it's the first, 
but I want to see a team that takes care of the ball. We're going to have three guards out there a lot of the time. I want to see us playing smart. And to me, you can see that consistency in the turnover number. So I want to see fewer than 12 turnovers. Great. And I think they can get it. I think they can accomplish that because they are powered by P E E E Go Peaks! The audience didn't see me running with the Indiana flag, you know, but you were. I was. I was going back and forth across the court with the I N D I A N A, all of them. I have them here in the garage. And naked. I'm sorry you had to see that. <laughs> Not the first time. What? <laughs> what? What is going on? Well, we've told them we shower together before, right? That's true. Hey, we're con- we're conservationists. Well, and it's just like a basketball team. When podcasters are done yeah. podcasting, they hit the showers together. We hit the showers. Yes. <laughs> we we do the podcast over Zoom, but then we meet for a communal shower. <laughs> um, look, another quick update. Um Board of Trustees stuff, it's not 100% official we're on the ballot, but I imagine that after Thanksgiving week, that will be done. We'll be updating you there, epfortrustee.com. Please go to epfortrustee.com to submit your email address so we can keep you up to speed on all things. Right at the top, you can just submit your email and uh, we'll keep you up to speed. We won't bombard you with spam unless Ward's got like a set of steak knives we want to sell. No, I actually, I have a few crates of spam I'm trying to unload. (laughs) We will send spam out to get rid of spam. Uh, It's just going to be a fun, I'm really excited for this week. And what better way than to celebrate this week than by the guests that we brought on for today? I mean, we were both looking forward to this from the time we ran into him in Bloomington and said, let's do this. And this was the perfect time for it to happen but I had no idea how much fun this guy really is. And he, he went, <laughs> I'm not going to give anything away, but this interview goes places. No interviews have gone before. Show tunes. Okay. I guess. I mean, I'm just going to say it. You'll spoil it. Yeah. Uh, b- big, big shout out to Russ Mitchell for uh, allowing those show tunes to come in. But what a guy we have for you here. And we were excited because of who he is, but also uh, that he's a part of the basketball team right now. So we're giving you less than 36 hours from tip off by the time this 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 goes out into the world. Um, somebody from the team right now who we, we, we hit him hard and fast right away. We pepper him with a lot of questions about what he's seeing and practices on the floor. So that'll give you just one more sneak preview before the boys actually show you their stuff on Wednesday night. And we, we get into the weeds on what this offense is supposed to look like, which is actually, you know, we've never really done that with anybody. So that's been really interesting to get a firsthand look of, you know, hear from him what it's supposed to look like, and then let's compare it to the Wednesday night game and see if it looks anything like what we heard. 
Well, you're absolutely right, because if we brought it up with Coach Miller or Coach uh, uh, Kenya, it was just a little bit more of a, a quick summary and then moving along. And he did. He dove deeper with us. And it's like when I do start to pick Rabbi's brain, you know, he's scouting somebody and what is he seeing in their development? It's like all these great players or coaches we've talked to and how they've learned to see the game through the coaches they played for or worked for. We're never going to be experts. We're never going to be those guys. But it's so fun to hear from somebody who really knows what they're seeing out there. Absolutely. And show tunes. All right. So let's, uh, let's just get right to it. Another show in Philly, Boston, or Baltimore. A chance for stage folks to say hello. Another opening of another show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's one of those special days where the past and present collide. Eric, let them know who we got on the show today. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. We've been talking about doing this one for a while, and this is going to be really fun. We are talking to a gentleman who hails from the greatest place in the history of the world, Bloomington, Indiana. He, of course, attended Bloomington South High School where he played for the legendary J.R. Holmes. He was first team academic All-State. He averaged in his senior year 13.2 points a game, 5.1 assists, 2.5 rebounds, 2.1 steals. He shot 54% from the floor and 46% from the three-point line. By the way, little known fact that I found out during this, he also has the greatest birthday in the history of the world, September 27th, the same as my son, Julian. <laughs> they share a birthday, so what could be bad? As he long went, as it's in September, I'm good with it. That's right, exactly. We're all September birthdays. He went to Wabash College, where he scored 15 points per game and started every single game that he was there. He then knew that the glory of old IU called. He transferred to Indiana where he became academic all Big Ten twice. By the way, when he was at Wabash, he scored 31 and 32 points against DePaul. This dude can ball. Let's not forget that. This dude could ball. He played for Indiana after redshirting for a year, finished two seasons playing at Indiana for Archie Miller's teams, Archie Miller's first two teams. He then became a graduate manager where he is currently part of the Indiana University basketball staff. We are talking to really not just a fan favorite, I'm going to say it, a legend. He has become a legend amongst Indiana basketball fans. We are talking to none other than Johnny Jager. It's good to see you guys. Good to talk to you guys. I feel like it's been a way too long, but I'm happy to be on the podcast and I'm excited for tonight. Oh, we're glad to have you here. Obviously, we'd rather be seeing you there right now as the basketball season gets underway, but it's really cool you're here and, and tolerant of our shenanigans here for uh, however long you'll stay on. Oh, I'm, I'm here for the rest of the night if we need it, and I plan on having just a good, great time with you guys. I, every, I've talked to people who have been on your podcast. I'm like, what should I expect? Like, should I be doing any prep? They're like, all right. Before you even started, you've already lost because they know every single thing about you <laughs> and you're about to talk all night, but they've all said it's going to be so much fun. So I'm excited. Well, I am curious because you, you are right now, Johnny is in his office at Cook Hall. He's got, I mean, he has art directed the shot. He's got Cody Zeller behind him. He's got Vic Oladipo behind him. I mean, this guy knows what he's doing. Wait, is that Vic? It looks like Robert. 
That's actually yeah, that's Rob. Oh, it's Rob. Does have the number? Does oh, have the number yeah, four? So easy mistake. All right, Rob. Yeah, James Rob and Cody. So we're in good company. You were in great company, but I am curious since you are in the office and we have interviewed. We just did Kenya not too long ago, who was in his office. I am curious, Johnny. Is there ever any talk after we talk to somebody like we did Mike Roberts, we did Archie, we did Kenya, do they come out and like talk amongst themselves like, I can't believe I agreed to do that with these two idiots? <laughs> like, I want to know if there's any scuttlebutt after the interviews. I'll be honest, my office is a little further away, but so I don't hear everything, but I was just talking to Cliff about it like not too long ago. And he was giving me the whole lowdown. He told me that, you, that he talked to you guys today Yes. So he's just like, be ready for anything you got. But I'm sure everybody's always thinking the same thing, that they had a good time. Everybody enjoys talking to you guys. And I'm sure we all get more than what we bargained for. Well, that, that, is, <laughs> that is for sure. Let me ask you this, though, as, as thrilling as this must be for you to be on the Hoosier Hysterics podcast. Definitely the low light of his career so far. Let's be honest. You are sitting, as Eric said, in your office at Cook Hall. I'm going to assume you grew up a Hoosier fan. Can you still kind of believe you have an office at Cook Hall? It's crazy. You're right. I grew up with just a diehard Hoosier fan. I mean, anybody who grows up in Indiana, let alone Bloomington, is a Hoosier. And growing up here in Bloomington, I literally remember going to Midnight Madness when before Hoosier Stereo, when it was at midnight. And I'd go with my, my siblings and my dad. And it was so early in my life that like, it was hard for me to stay up till midnight. You know, like it was like, <laughs> I got to get my nap in and we got to get our canned goods. And we're going to assembly hall tonight for midnight madness. And, and then just the way everything developed, you know, and then to put on that Jersey as my, as a sophomore, redshirt freshman was just cold chills. I mean, grow up watching it, put on that Jersey. It's, it's insane. And then wanting to become a coach and getting the opportunity to stay here as a graduate manager. I mean, it's a dream come true. And like you said, sometimes I look around, I'm like, holy cow, I'm here right now. But like, it's no time to waste. Like, this is time to keep going harder. You know, it only inspires you and motivates you even more. So it's, 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 it's really cool. Well, let's, I think that, you know, from a fan's perspective, when you watch a game on television, or if you're fortunate enough to be able to go to a, a game, you see how much support staff there really is. I think sometimes fans forget that besides just the assistant coaches, there is a world going on around the basketball team to help support the athletes, to support the coaches. And I don't think we have a, a real good sense of what it is that you do. So if you could, can you just walk us through a typical day in the life of Johnny right now as a grad manager? Yeah, like you said, like people don't have no idea. You don't know how many people are on a staff. I mean, it's, Everybody knows the, the head coach and the assistant coach, and rightfully so. I mean, their jobs are the most important on our staff, no doubt. But without support staff, the whole house would come crumbling down just because, like, we do a lot of the just daily operations things that Coach Miller, any coaches, or any people even think about. You know, like, we're, we're cutting up the film after practice to make certain edits that Coach will want for tomorrow because he wants to watch practice. So we got to give him each player's plays, each – each possession, like we, we're, we're doing a lot of film during the day. And then um, one of my jobs as a graduate manager is getting guys into the gym outside of practice, which I love. And, you know, it's like, hey, uh, uh, Rob, you're shooting well, but we need to keep this going. Let's, let's get some extra shots in. Uh, coming around 11 before lunch, we'll get up 
300 shots, call it a day and see at practice. So that's, I'd say for my role, film and getting guys to shoot extra is, is a huge, huge, huge portion of what we do. Can, can we talk so more? When you're, oh, sorry, can, I just want to follow up on the film thing because I want to dig in on that. So we're, we're film TV guys. Yeah. It's our nature. Um, and the truth is, as a fan, all we have is film, right? Like that's mm-hmm. all we do is we get yeah. to watch the games. But there is just so much that goes into, we hear about, I mean, we've talked to so many people who played for Bobby Knight, right? And, and coached with him. And everybody talks about preparation, that that's really mm-hmm. what separated Coach Knight from everybody else. The preparation was incredible. And now technology makes it easier to get more footage to really drill down on what you're looking for. But give us an example, Johnny, of something in, in the film world that you're doing. What are you specifically breaking down? Can you tell us like a specific game or scenario that you remember what exactly what you were doing? Yeah, so uh, one of the big roles is like when we have a game coming up against Michigan State next week. Coach, um, this could be Coach, Coach Mike Roberts' scout. Like he's in charge of the scout. Archie oversees everything. But this is like Coach Roberts' scout-specific team that he's going to present to the team and how we're going to guard, how we're going to do everything in terms of game plan. So if we're playing Michigan State on, say, Monday, Coach Mike needs all the clips he can get in terms of Michigan State's offensive plays, uh, individual players' personnel, like tendencies and stuff like that. So me, along with other guys on the sports staff, we'll go through Michigan State's last eight games that they played, you know, and we'll we'll pick out, we'll go through all their offensive plays, and we'll see if we can pick up any tendencies in terms of just specific plays that they tend to run the most, you know, and we'll try to get the top 10, five to 10 plays that they run, and we'll We'll cut up each individual play and get 25 to 30 of them and then put all those into a database and give those to Coach Mike. Then as as we're doing that, we're also looking at the players and what they're doing and good plays they've made. If certain tendencies that they have, like if uh, Xavier Tillman in the post has this spin move that he goes to his his left shoulder and he always does that, we're going to cut that up. So we can show that to Mike and he can show it to Joey or Trace. So we're doing, we're looking for tendencies and players and also tendency and play calls. And then we give that to coach and he does what he wants with it and then presents it to the team. So and in a week span, you can get 10 games, 15 players and just tons of tons of plays. Wow. When, when I hear you describing that, I think of a, a photo I just saw of Eric Spolstra during the playoffs, the way he started with the heat, you know, cutting up the film. And I just can't imagine there is a better education for you. You're not only seeing this footage yourself, making your own assessments, but you're thinking about what does Coach Roberts want? Uh, what will what Coach Miller end up wanting? And oh, by the way, when we're doing this against, say, the Spartans, you're also seeing what Coach Izzo is doing with his guys so you're just like getting it from all angles on how different coaches approach this game do you consciously start to pick and choose stuff that really is is what you'll want to end up implementing someday or right now is it just all absorption oh it's huge I mean it's right now it's it's absorption but also coming up with your own philosophy I mean like you said we get to see so many plays and 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 offensive schemes from some of the greatest coaches in the country. So you're definitely picking and choosing writing down notes, what you do like, but then also you get a game plan for that offense. So you get to learn about the defensive side of the ball, which is just as important, if not more important. 
So you're, you're, you're gathering all this information, picking what you like, and also figuring out how to defend it. It's, it's, it's very, it's great stuff. And it's, it's such a great learning experience for me. How much does it help you when you're, when you're talking about getting guys into the gym, whether it be Rob to get more shots up or Al, whoever it may be, how much does it help you that you were a player and you went through the practices. You were practicing along with everybody. So you, you know what the rigors of that are. You know what Archie's going to expect. How, how, how much does that help you in, in what you're doing now? That's so important. I think just like having been there gives me great experience just to know like yesterday was a really, really hard practice. And today, like I need to Rob to come in and get something done. But we're just going to do stationary spot shots. We're going to form shoot. We're going to get some free throws in, be good on his legs so that he is ready for practice. Like practice is the most important thing. That's what coach is always there. That's where he's evaluating, but you have to still get better while practicing and, and knowing just the ins and outs of how your body will feel or how my body would have felt if I was Al or Rob or Trace, you got to plan your workout around them. You know, you're not just coming in and, and saying, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to talk to, Trace before the workout and be like, Trace, how are you feeling today? Like, are you tired? You got, do you have, do you have tests today you're worried about? If so, we'll make this real quick. We'll get 50 free throws and get out. Like do you, what's on your mind? How's your body feel? And then you kind of, you kind of cope it to them. And I, and I feel like I have a good sense and idea of, of what I'm going to be getting from that guy before I meet him. But then you have to make sure you're right and then cater to their needs, their, how they're feeling. And that's, that's huge just for, cause the best teams are a lot of times are the healthiest teams and you can't just put your nose to the grindstone at all times. Your body will break down. Yeah. You, you know, something about teams that have been injured. We'll get more into mm-hmm. that later. But when I hear the way you interact with these guys, just as to whether or not they're going to come into the gym and get up some shots, I do wonder how much uh, conversation do you have with them where it's it's not about basketball is that is that somebody else's job is that their friends or other people on the staff or can you as somebody not that much older and removed from their experience are you a shoulder to lean on sometimes I feel like I feel like guys feel very comfortable talking to me and like like all of our staff we're talking to guys constantly before practice after practice I mean you want to have that relationship you want them to be able to trust you and you want to trust them I mean, that's that player coach relationship that is so important that some people aren't so great at and their players don't have the best experience. But as, as a younger guy, I do feel like guys can come and talk to me about things that maybe they wouldn't talk to coach about. And I feel like, and I'm not going to always, ta- I'm not going to tattletale or, or I'm not, I'm not going to do this, but when something needs addressed, it needs addressed. But sometimes just to be a soundboard, not even talk about basketball is, is much more important. They just need someone to talk to. And not even me talk to them, but just listen, you know, sometimes listening is, is more important than giving advice. But how hard is that for you, Johnny, in that, I mean, look, some of these guys that are playing right now, you were a teammate of, right? Like Al Mm -hmm. Durham was a teammate of yours, you know? Mm -hmm. So how hard is it for you to draw the line between, all right, yeah, we're just kind of buddies here. And then there's a time where you're also on the staff and I would imagine at times the assistants or Archie might come to you and go, hey, how did blah, blah, blah do yesterday? Or is something going on here that I need to know about? Is that hard for you to walk that line? Uh, I wouldn't say it's too hard. I know the guys know, like when you're serious about your job and you want to progress, you're, you're professional all the time. And, and guys know that I, what I want to do is I want to be a head basketball coach. And they know I'm not going to put that in jeopardy and they're not going to tell me something like, I mean, 
there's there's the line but like you never cross that line and and I don't feel like I ever have a problem with that with the guys and I don't think the guys ever test that with me because I think we have a mutual ex, uh, respect for each other that kind of it goes great. both ways yeah so, some other thing that I would imagine you were able to bring as soon as you return to Bloomington and continues to this day is there's a bunch of guys who, you know, and even at, at your age, the, the, the true glory years of Indiana happened before you were even born, but mm -hmm. growing up in Bloomington, being a lifelong Hoosier fan, you know, I imagine, you know, remembering the watch shot and stuff like that. When you put on that Jersey for the first time, you knew what that meant going back generations. Is that something that you feel the need to impart on some of the other guys who are maybe not so steeped in the tradition? Yeah, I mean, tradition is important. And like you said, I knew exactly what it meant before I put that jersey on. And I think a lot of the guys do know that before they come here. And if they don't, they learn pretty dang quick. As soon as they step on campus, this place is different. <laughs> I mean, you guys know it better than anyone. Like, it, you're a rock star when you're here. This place breathes, sleeps, eats Indiana basketball. And I think even when you come on a visit, you, you get that feeling where like this place is different. And I don't think people put that in jeopardy or, or they don't, they take that for granted. When you go into assembly hall and you see those five banners hanging up, you know, this place is different and it's important to people. Getting into the weeds a little on working with the individual players. Obviously there's things like, you know, Rob and Al and, and Christian and Trey and Anthony, they all need to be able to hit shots. We know that everybody's gonna be able to shoot. But there's also specific things that guys need to get better on. Like, look, it's no secret. Trace Jackson Davis needs to learn how to finish with his right hand. Like, that's something we all know. Is that something where the coaches come to you, the assistants or Archie, and say, hey, when you get Trace in, I want you to work on this thing specifically. Like, are you going in with a specific game plan that is designed by the coaches? Uh, or is it more just kind of routine of regular, generic, get shots up, shoot free throws, that kind of thing? I'd say the most important thing for us is the reps. Definitely just getting shots up, getting your muscle memory, getting that all that stuff down. But then, like you said, there's the nitty-gritty. There are the things that guys need for their player development to bring them from one level to the next. And that, and that I do usually have a game plan going in, and that can be relayed from Coach Miller, any of our assistants, or just something I've, I saw in practice yesterday. I was watching the film of practice, and I saw you struggling in this area. I think just this one little thing, we worked on that, you'll be better in today's practice. So to answer your question, I mean, I get things from coaches that they think I need to bring guys in to work on. I have my own things that I think guys need to work on. And then also I ask them what they think they need to work right. on. And a lot of times the stuff pretty much matches up. You know, you're, people know. You're watching film of practice? Oh yeah, we watch every person on this, on this staff. We have practice today. They'll either watch it tonight or tomorrow or both. So you, wow. it's, that's that important on somebody's form with a shot, right? It's, it's almost like the scary thing. Like you could tweak it a little bit and really help tweak it the other way. And it's a disaster. Is that one you kind of stay away to me, from? Ward. That's what happened to me. Somebody <laughs> worked on my shot. They tweaked it the wrong way. And, and I blame them. It was God. <laughs> it was God. God tweaked my form. It didn't work out. <laughs> no, but you're right. That is. That is a scary one because it can really go south real quick. And that's definitely something that you work on definitely more in the off season where you have these times where you're not in competition and you have a two, three months span. 
where you can really work on the, the mechanics and the form. But in the season, it's kind of you, you're not tweaking many things with when it comes to the mechanics and form because you got to you got to sometimes sticking with one and just going with it is better than having all these people tell you different things. And then you just get up. It's not just your form. It's your your head, your head. Your mind is the could be the biggest part of shooting. You know what I mean? Sometimes you stick with one, just go with it and muscle memory and make it work. Have you ever said the following uh, in a one-on-one workout with Al Durham? Have you ever said, hey, hey, buddy, um, next game, don't fall down as much. Do you ever say that? Oh, my God. <laughs> Every day. Every day. And it, it's, it's crazy. Everybody tells him that. You know, like, he's really good at drawing fouls. Yeah. But he's really good at hitting the ground really, really hard. It, every time he goes up, you're scared that dude's going to come down and hurt himself. I know. And it looks like he could just get snapped in two, like, on every play. He's always on the ground. He, he's always on the ground. It scares everybody half to death because he's one of our leaders. He's one of our best players. We need that guy healthy. And I'll just relay the message of it as, same as are all of our staff. Tell, we, him, tell him the hysterics tell notice him. too. Tell him that we I'll know. I'll tell him that tomorrow. Um, by the way, you can also <laughs> tell him uh, don't park in handicapped parking spots on Kirkwood anymore. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. What did he say about that? Uh, he, uh, it's a long story. But just, it involved... Eric running down the middle of Kirkwood Avenue to talk to him only. Oh, and gosh. then we discovered where he was parked. Yeah. As he had the he best parking away. space in Kirkwood because he was parked in blue. <laughs> it was a game day. I think all rules are off for players on game day. They got to get sure, in. That, they we'll we'll get go with that. Yeah, we'll absolutely. That. All right. So let's, let's get into a couple players that we've heard about and tell us what you can tell us. The, the big buzz that we're hearing as fans is the guy that's surprising everybody is Trey Galloway. That he's come in. I mean, the pictures, first of all, we all know, the Cliff Marshall pictures, you just got to ignore them. I mean, he admitted to it. He don't admitted tell Cliff to it. that. Don't, don't, no, we don't did tell Cliff that. that. We did. He admitted that to you guys? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, never admit that it's all lighting. It's all lighting. <laughs> it's a filter. He tells him to do 100 push-ups and sit-ups right before he takes the picture. That's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Lathers the baby oil yes. over yes. him. Yes. <laughs> no, he knows all the tricks of the trade. He, he knows the tricks of the trade. <laughs> but... If you follow Indiana basketball, you've seen just some some pictures of just guys casually. Trey Galloway looks like a linebacker. I mean, he looks like he could go play for Tom Allen. And the buzz has been that he's really impressing people in practice. What what have you seen of Trey that has surprised you or or not in in practice so far? Yeah, Trey's a Trey's a really tough kid. Like I'll just start with he's a tough dude, and you can tell he played for his dad, who was a coach. Like you can tell he played, or his dad was a coach rather. Like he's a, he's tough. He has high basketball IQ and he can make all the plays. Like he, 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 he has a decent shot that he's working on every day to get even better, but he can pick you up full court. He's tough on defense. He can take the ball to the hoop and he's a tremendous passer. Dude has great vision. And like we were talking about his body earlier, he, he's mature, you know, like he's not coming in here like a freshman that's light, has never been in the weight room. The dude's dude's big, and he 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 weighs two hundred pounds. He's six five. Like he's he's ready to play in Big Ten right now. You know, like I think that's one of the biggest things you find with young kids, is they have all the skill and they can ball out, but especially in the Big Ten, it's a physical physical league. And if you can't match up physically, it's going to wear and tear, and you're not going to be able to showcase those skills that you might have. So I think Trey has has the physical element ready to go. His his IQ is very high. And he has the skills as well. So putting those all together, he's going to be a, a good freshman for us. And we're looking forward to him playing well for us. 
and speaking of, there's nobody younger than Christian, and mm-hmm. we have heard he's put on some serious pounds. How how do you like his progress in terms of we know how talented he is, but how how physically ready can he be for Big Ten play this year? Yeah, so we got him a little later in the summer because he was finished up at school in order to get the reclassify early. So we he missed a, a majority of the summer, which is crucial time to work on your body. But but Coach Cliff has been putting some special attention to him to, to get him up to speed. And he's made some significant strides in Coach Cliff's best of business. He's 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 done some really good work with Christian and Christian's put in the work. You know, he's coming in extra to get extra weightlifting, extra stretching. So he's bought into the fact that I need to get my body right in order to be ready to play. And Cliff's just as focused in getting him ready to play as he is. So it, it he he's made some good strides early. Uh, one thing Ward said, you know, obviously he's a five star. He was rated, you know, in the class of 21, the best point guard in the class, uh, still like a top 20 ranking in the class of 2020. You've been around really good basketball players. You've been on the court with them and you've now coached them. How talented is he? Like, can you see a real difference in a guy like Christian when he steps on campus? And I get that he's got a lot to learn and there's a learning curve, but pure basketball talent is he somebody that even you who's seen tons of film on the best players in the country, you see him and you go, wow, this guy's got something. Pure talent. You're, you're right. He's, he's very, very, very talented. Some of those like him, you just toss the ball up and the kid, he's just a player. He's a hooper. You know, you, you can do all the drills you want and do all the drill work and do all the technicalities and the specific mechanics for this and this, but if you can't hoop, you can't hoop. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of thing in the basketball league. He's a hooper. When they're a hooper, you throw the ball up and they just can play. The dude just has instincts on ball screens where you're like, I wouldn't have done that. One, because I couldn't. And two, because I didn't even see it. You know? <laughs> and, and Christian's fast. He is so fast from, from end to end. Dude gets there and lightning speed. And I think that's, that's one thing that I've really noticed is just how fast he is with the ball in, the, with the ball in his hands. With all the guys coming back, who took the biggest leap? It was like, oh, oh, wow, this is this guy has really taken the next step since last we saw him on the basketball court. I'd say the biggest the biggest leap has been race Thompson. I mean, he came back and looked like a different different guy, like his body. He was I, I clip probably told you the numbers. He's down six percent body fat, increased his bench press by 10 reps like he his body. You come he came back and you're like dude was working since he left you know and he was also in in the gym because you can tell he's shooting a little more from long range he's got this good touch around the rim I'd say he he stepped forward in physicality and his skills but also his leadership you can tell he had a year of mature and he and he, he wants the bigger role he wants to be more vocal so I I would say easily race was the biggest surprise when he came back Ward and I have a bet about this year I because there's all this talk that you know race has increased his shooting ability and trace is trying to increase his shooting and joey may pop some shots and i don't believe any of that stuff so (laughs) my bet with ward is that combined race trace and joey don't hit what was the number 30 30 that i said combined they will not hit 30 shots from outside the lane Wards. So you were, well, you're under Wards. I'm the under yeah. Wards the over. Where would you be on that? 30 for the three of them outside the lane. Jump hooks don't count outside the lane. If I was a betting man, which I'm not, I'd be on Ward's side. 
Ward's my guy on this one. Mm. Big bucks coming Ward's way. I'm sure it's just a $5 bet. Oh, yeah. There's no big bucks coming with a bet between Ward and me. <laughs> you get a $5 foot long and call it a bet. Yeah, exactly. We might have to call on Johnny for, like, a few of those shots, like, to review the tape. That's right. To get, to get in there, you yeah. know, with the bird's eye view. Let us know really where the, the Cuban was. center. The Cuban if, yeah, center. If you need it, if you need it, I got you. I'll send you the clip. I'll send you the zoomed in yes. slow motion. <laughs> and we'll, we'll tally them up as we go. I love it. Um, Trey, I, I think that's something that fans have been dying for, for Indiana to have that, that honestly, I don't remember the last guy that we really had like that. It's not coming to mind. A guy that pisses off the other team. You know, the guy that is a nuisance, that is diving all over the place, even diving when he probably shouldn't and has no chance of getting the ball, but it just annoys the other team. The guy that the other team's fan base gets on. I don't remember the last guy we really had like that. Do you? Maybe a little Zach McRoberts. Some, Maybe. Some of those offensive rebounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A Maybe a Zach McRoberts. Um, and we haven't had one of those guys for a little bit. And clearly it's a guy that Archie was when he played, you know, mm -hmm. and it's what he wants in guys. I think we all have kind of concocted this image of Galloway that he could be that guy. Is that fair? Or are we just putting our shit on him? <laughs> it's totally fair. Like I, like I emphasized earlier, he is a tough kid. He's blue collar. He's willing to just go out there and, put everything on the line just to win. He doesn't care. He's not going to care about hitting the five threes. I'm getting that loose ball. He's make, those are the winning plays that make the difference between losing and winning. And it's those 50, 50 plays. And I think Trey is that guy who's, he's willing to sacrifice it all and put his body on the line in order to make those plays. And I think the Indiana fans, like you guys said, will eat it up. That's great. Well, and when you, you say that it immediately makes me think, well, like I, I hope that that's something that is contagious, which leads me to the the question of, I saw a bunch of the guys who were in town. I don't think the out-of-state guys were there yet um, in the summer, hanging out at somebody's house. No, Jordan, Jordan was there. Jordan was part of that. I didn't, I didn't think he was there yet, but regardless, okay. it was most of the guys on the team hanging out off season. Is this a team that you can already sense at this point that they, they care for each other. They like each other. They're going to battle with each other when stuff gets tough this season. It's, it's so important. And since I've been here, this team right now, I think is the team that likes them, likes each other by far the most. I don't think it's even close. Wow. Like it's, it's really not close. We've always been a little clicky guys are living here. Some guys are over there. Some guys are over there, which isn't a bad thing. But when you have guys that live in the same spot, they're always together, whether it's, outside of practice like you're doing homework together like they're always around each other and you can see a difference from years past that they genuinely just like hanging out it's not like you got to force them to come on guys you like you know crew's here let's let's get together like they're going to be together regardless mm. and it, it's it's awesome because that chemistry is huge i know like there's this saying there you don't have to like the guy you just have to respect them you know i think people throw that around in professional sports i just don't really think that's true especially in collegiate athletics. And I think that's one of the things that we like the most about this team is that how their chemistry is super far along at this point and farther along than most of the teams that I've been on. Now, you mentioned about them all living in the same place. Did you, were you able to live at the Evolve Apartments in your time or did they come on after you left? They were, their first, their first year open was my last year. So I already had a place leased up for 
so I missed it. But uh, that place is impressive. L- let's be honest. That place is like hedonism in Jamaica. I mean, that place. Oh, they're living lavish. I mean, that place is a resort, right? It's crazy. People come on visits and they're like, well, this sure as heck is not what I was living in when I was in college. Right. It's it's incredible. Pool, you got all the amenities, you got multiple kitchens, you got all the furnace, you got TVs in, in your room. It's They got speakers in the showers. It's it's top notch, to say the least. I don't know. I, I stand by McNutt and all its black mold problems. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, let's talk just about a couple more players and then we're going to get into your story. How good is Trace? Trace is, to say it bluntly, really, really good. He's he he's just he's a freak athlete. He just bullies people. He jumps over people. He pretty much does whatever he wants. Let's be real. He if he misses it, he's making the next shot, and it's right after he misses. He's rebounding eighty percent of his misses. Almost it seems like in practice, dude. Chef second dunk or second jump is the most impressive thing I've ever seen. Like he doesn't miss many layups, but when he does, he's getting and he's dunking it. And it's and he's also made strides. Like you said, he's been we've been working on his jump shot, but we not, might not even need to see him shoot a jump shot because hopefully he just dominates in the paint so much. Is he shooting with his right hand? He's shooting with his right hand. He is shooting with his right hand? Yeah, we need those outside. No, you don't. Shots no, 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 no. No, keep him in the paint. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but his right hand is happening? It's better. It's better. We're, we're working on it. We're still working on it, but it's it's definitely improved. And when we see three gold jerseys, and I'm sure I'll get a reaction from Eric, at least on his face, about gold jerseys, I am wondering, when you have a freak talent like that, how much of it is the gold jersey going, he's just the best player, so he keeps getting it? How much is it really about like effort and an, an example he's setting, too? It is it, it is effort, and but sometimes like he gets every rebound, you know. And it's the gold standard is your efficiency is that our gold standard is how we get our gold jersey winner. So it's basically your efficiency and your stats and practice when you do live segments. So if you're getting a rebound, it's plus two points, turnover minus two, made field goal plus two, minus one for turnover, stuff like that. So your total score is. Whoever's at the top gets the gold jersey. So that's it. It's, it's just quantitative measurement of mm-hmm. who achieved the most. It's not really – you can't measure effort. So it's just about measurable statistics. But then there's there's those effort plays in there. So, like, if you take a charge, it's plus three and a half. You know, if you get a steal, it's plus two. I mean, two. Johnny, if you, I mean, I might get the gold jersey just on charges alone. I mean, I'm just saying <laughs> – that- your body might not like you that much, That's, but uh, my, gold jersey my body hasn't liked me in 42 years. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but uh, he's he's owned that jersey, and I know he loves it because he doesn't have to run as much when they lose. <laughs> but but we, coach was just talking about the other day. Someone knock him off that gold jersey. Someone someone beat him. You know, like let's take that thing from him. So it's a motivating factor for sure. Especially when guys when one guy's killing it. You want to take it from him. If you were a betting man and you had to bet on one guy who could take it from him that you've seen in practice, who would you put your money on? I'd probably put my money on either Rob Finnessy with a really good assist to turnover ratio because turnovers kill you. Assists are really good. Or Trey Galloway that's just all over the field. He's rebounding field over the court. <laughs> he's rebounding. He's assisting. He's scoring. He's stealing. He's taking that charge. I mean, when you have a really good all-around game, it can really help you. You know, you got all your statistics in there. You're getting all these 
these plus scores and, and then keeping your turnover. Your turnovers is your biggest thing. And then your shot selection. So you're making shots. We feel like, you know, we've all been watching this, this progression. I, I read somewhere today, not, not a rebuild, but a, a remodel since coach Miller came in. And obviously you've been there for all of it. Um, but particularly on the offensive end with the turnover this year, the new players in some players out, um, I think we all kind of know what to expect and hope for with the pack line and on the defense, but mm -hmm. what do you, what are you seeing in practice and what can we maybe all hope for and expect going on to get points, to get some buckets? What, what should that look like if we're firing on all cylinders? Yeah. So we're looking to really get spaced out on the floor. We want to push the ball as fast as we can. We want our point guards to be on the other three-point line in less than four seconds. So if they score, you get that ball out. Whoever's handling the ball is at that opposite three-pointer in three seconds. So boom, you're you're already there. And if you got something, score right away. But then when we're not running a play, we we want to be a lot more spaced out and open. And we want to have a lot more ball screens actions. We have we feel like our guards are are good and they can make reads that that put other defenses at a disadvantage. Our whole goal this year is to create the advantage of a ball screen. So I think we're going to have a lot more ball screen continuity offense this year, which gets guys in space more and gets guys just more open shots. I mean, the easiest shot to make is an open shot. And I think with the offensive schemes that we have going this year, we're going to get a lot more open three-pointers and also good looks at the rim. Now, when you say ball screen continuity, I, you lose me at continuity. I get ball screen. That's simple to understand. Explain to us novices what that means, the continuity part. Yeah, so our, our motion offense, you know, everybody talks about motion, pass, screen away, pass, screen away. Our motion offense is more ball screens. In, in one possession, we want to have three to four ball screens at different areas of the court. Wow. So you might start off with a high middle ball screen where your bigs come and set in the set in the screen for your guard. And then wherever your guard goes with it, there's another one ready to go, ready to line up. Cause ball screens are so hard to guard on defense. You know, you gotta be perfect to defend one ball screen. You gotta be extra perfect to guard three in one possession. So we're just, we're, we're moving the ball quickly and getting the spots where we're receiving ball screens and eventually one of those, we're going to get an advantage. And once we get that advantage, we're going to take advantage of it by getting wherever they mess up, we're going to get that shot. Wow. I love that. And as a guy who grew up watching Reggie Miller, what about like off ball screens to get open looks? Does that factor into it at all? Yeah. Off ball screens. We have a couple different motion offenses where we have two different motion offenses. And one is, one is our ball screen and the other ones are off ball screen. So we have both options and both are so important. And when you have both those going at contrasting times, when it's, it's hard to get a feel for what's coming at you and there's a lot of stuff to prepare for, you know, and then you add plays on to that. Like we want to be a team that's hard to game plan for. There's just, there's so much in the tank that you don't know what to pick, pick your poison basically. Well, let's talk about one of those potential poisons. Uh, a guy that's, that's, I think the most, enigmatic on the team because we just haven't seen him at full strength yet but we've got glimpses of it last year is Jerome Hunter a guy that we've all been really excited to see kind of scratch the surface of his potential and obviously his his injury slash condition hindered a lot of it but what are you seeing from Jerome this year because 
You used the word hooper before. He seems like a guy who's a hooper who just hasn't had it all come together for him yet. Yeah, you're so right. He is a hooper and he's kind of like a jack of all trades. He can, he can bang inside and finish down low with guys that are bigger than him, but then he can also step outside and hit that three pointer. And we have him setting ball screens and coming off of them. Like he can kind of do it all on the offensive end, which makes him a really tough matchup. Cause if you put a big guy on him, he's going to do some damage out on the, out on the perimeter, you know, it's hard to stay with him. If you, sh- if you put a smaller guy on him, he can take you right to the post. He's a physical, physical dude that loves contact. He's one wow. of those guys that loves contact and he will, he's, he's not shy away from it. And he can score at all three levels inside mid range and three point line. And as a last general question about not, you know, not last, cause I got one more. <laughs> oh, okay. As my last general question, <laughs> Uh, in the present day portion of our broadcast, um, with you being there from from before Coach Miller arrived and watching this progression, and it, it has been a progression. There's been progress every year. Obviously, last season was cut short from what we mm-hmm. all hoped would be that joyous selection Sunday and to see us in the big dance once again. But is it fair for, for us as fans about to tune into this team to feel like we have a real chance to see what it's been building towards because in my mind, I'm like, you know, with trace there and now Christian's in with the the talent level, but it also getting old and staying old largely with players brought in by coach Miller. Hopefully we stay healthy. Is this a good chance to really finally, even for you and the coaching staff to be like, yes, this is the team we've been working towards. Yeah. I think everybody's excited. I mean, we have, like I said, a good mix of, of older guys, and then also the younger guys, and they all like each other. So when you have all that working in unison, hopefully it produces a good product. And I think this the most important thing is that these guys are willing to put in the work. I mean, they care about the result. When someone gets their buck kicked and when red beats white every possession or every live segment we have, white's not just taking it like, ah, tough day, we'll go on to the next one. They're, they're mad, like they want to win. I think that's the most important thing about this team is this team wants to win. It, it, the best teams don't care who gets the credit. You know, when you're sharing the wealth, everything starts clicking. And that's what we're really trying to do is get this team to buy in to the, 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 the great, the sum of the parts is bigger than, what am I trying to say? The whole, I, the I, whole screw, is this than the I screw this up all the time. The whole is better, the bigger than the sum of the parts. That's exactly what I'm going for. And that's exactly <laughs> what we're going for. We're, we're going for that. And I think this team is, is buying into that. And once that all, happens hopefully the rest takes care of itself and then hopefully that culture is established so whoever you lose and whoever comes in no this is just the way we do it here right mm-hmm. like that's exactly like, it's like great. the bill Belichick patriot way it's gonna that's it's gonna be oh. the hoosier way yeah or oh. doesn't like oh. that as a Colts oh. fan don't no. like oh, i'm with you too i'm a colts fan we got a big game tonight but i'm on, yeah you, we're on delay i told all the text chains guys I got Johnny Jagger. After that, I'll catch up with you, hopefully, by mm-hmm. halftime. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm the same way. So my last topic before we blast back, there is the film stuff that you have to do. There is the on-the-court work that you're doing. <clears throat> there's working with individual guys. And then there's also the part that is totally gloryless, which is a little bit, and don't take this the wrong way, but there is an element of babysitting. For example... 
Ward and I have stayed at the Graduate Hotel a couple times for games. And we've run into the Indiana University basketball team because I think this is... Wait, wait. Johnny told us we're not supposed no, to say that. No, that's bullshit. It's all public. Everybody knows. <laughs> it. It's silly. They're staying at a public hotel. I mean, it's ridiculous <laughs> to think it's a secret. And most major colleges do this, where for weekend games especially, the team checks into a hotel so that they're all together and they, they, they're kind of separated from their normal life and they're more regimented. And we've seen you kind of like leading the charge, if you will, for making sure everybody's in their room, all that stuff. Talk to us a little bit about the mindset of, of what you're trying to accomplish with that. Yeah, a lot of people, when, when you have a team staying in a hotel, they think it's just so you keep your guys out of trouble. So they're not out doing what they shouldn't be doing at a party or something before the night of a game, which that's obviously part of it. But that's not really what we're worried about. We, we trust our guys, and our guys are, are too smart to be doing that. It was too much on the line to be messing around like that. Well, we do now, now they are. Well, I'll just say that. Now they are. Our guys now. That's, that's who we're talking. <laughs> but uh, more importantly than anything, we're just making sure, for one, they're getting the proper sleep. A lot of guys do like playing Xbox late at night. Mm. No Xbox in the hotel. Mm. You're, getting, you're getting your proper rest. You're getting eight hours. And then you're getting fed the right amount in order to be ready to play tomorrow. You know, like we get, one of our jobs is getting all the food, you know, like we're ordering, it's crazy the amount of food we have on road trips and hotels. Like we have dinner for them when they get there. We have usually a smoothie for them, a big old tropical smoothie, smoothie ready for them tonight. And you got a snack later. Like it, you got to have your body fueled up and ready to go for a 40 minute game, you know? So I think the biggest things that we're looking for is sleep, proper nutrition and then we do do a little scouting in the hotel so put those three together and hopefully we're ready to play but but there is this other element of because I, I I think it was maybe you that I even asked this for but like you guys do check to make sure they're in their rooms at like a certain time right we do yeah there's room checks yeah, at what but here's the problem 11 o'clock yeah but here's my problem you tell them what time the room check is. There are extra room checks that we don't tell them about. Okay. I promise All right. you there right. are. Right. That initial room check is just to make sure you're there because a lot of times, like even when I was a player, there'd be four or five of us bunched up in one room. We don't, we haven't, we had kind of had a movie crew, you know, like we'd watch a movie, all five of us every time, head down to snack, finish the movie. Then by the time the movie's over, you better be in your room. It's 11, 11, 1130. And then they'll, they'll come check later, but. Most of the time, guys are asleep. Wait, who was in the movie crew? Who was part of your movie crew? Who was my movie crew? This was it was this was probably three years ago. It was me, Jawan, Zach McRoberts, Devontae Green. Um, Al was in there. Decent. Uh, Justin Smith was in there, and Al. Those were we had the movie crew. We'd watch a different movie. Who picks the movie every week? Who picks the movie? A lot of times, we just kind of saw what came on, and we do a consensus, you know, a democracy vote and whatever won. We, there were some bad movies. There were some good movies, but most important thing was we were all hanging out. A lot of, a lot of romantic comedies. Rom-coms were our favorite, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> Rom-coms and chick flicks. There we go. <laughs> all right. Let's go back into the time machine. We don't have to go very far geographically. Um, <laughs> I love the story of like having to take a nap to be able to stay awake 
for Midnight Madness with your can of goods in hand. Um, can you take us to some of the other early memories that just, you know, out of out of the crib, basically, you were a Hoosier fan. Do you remember some games, some moments that you shared with your family and friends that that just set your destiny on its course? Or players that stuck sure. out for you? Yeah, so uh, like I said, who, uh, Midnight Madness was was a huge deal. And that was always so exciting because you could always go. You just had to be able to stay up that long. It wasn't a matter of getting a ticket. You had your 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 baked beans and your and your canned broccoli or whatever you had, and you brought it in and you were good to go. But along with that, I, I'd say going to Bloomington South too, I worked out a lot with Jordan Holes and his dad. Mm. And that was, he was kind of like my idol, you know, like he was, the guy that I was going to be at South after he was gone. And then he committed to IU and it was just so cool because he was the hometown hero. He was the real hometown hero. Mr. Basketball, undefeated yeah. state championship team, number one in the country for high schools. And he was kind of like my idol. And and seeing him go to IU, it was just the coolest thing, coolest thing ever. So that was, he was probably my favorite Indiana player of all time. Um, who were some other guys that that I really liked. Um, well, it's funny. You have a picture of one behind you. Were you a Cody fan? Were you a big Cody fan? I was definitely a Cody fan. That's when we were starting to the corner. You know, we they had some tough, tough seasons. And what was they won like five games two years in a row. Yeah. And then Cody yeah. came. Yogi came. It was kind of like where the snowball was getting ready to start going, baby. Like, yo, like Cody's here. And, and they were tough. I mean, they were number one in the country for how many weeks? But, yeah, everybody loved Cody. Um, I'm trying to think of Eric Sewer. Eric Sewer was one of my favorite players, probably my mom's all-time favorite player, because he was a walk-on, and he was just that short little guy that came in there and played his heart out, and he was a fan favorite. Every time he would go to the bench, not as much as Priller, but the fans got got riled up, and he was another guy that we really liked in my my family. I'd say those guys were the biggest. Were your parents Indiana fans before you? So it's actually, so my parents met in sixth grade. They're from oh. the region up in Northwest Indiana and they both went to Ball State. And then my dad went back to school and guess where he went? Don't mm. tell us Purdue. He went to Purdue for pharmacy uh, school. Oh. At least it wasn't his undergrad. I mean, if you're going to That's pharmacy. True. That's true. So That's true. But uh, then we, uh, they had all us kids and, moved to Bloomington. He was never like a good, like a big time Purdue, like diehard, like athletics Purdue guy. He just went there for school. So it was from the start, uh, as early as my memory can go back, I, it was always Hoosiers. We we are at least a generation separated in, in age. Uh, and I'm always curious because for Ward and I growing up, Ward grew up in Peru, Indiana. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. My, my dad is from the region, um, which is how I became a fan. And my mom went to Indiana. But for us, there was no separation between Indiana basketball and Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight was Indiana basketball, and he was everything to us. He was an icon and intimidating, and you were scared of him, but you worshipped mm-hmm. him. But you, you obviously came of age when he was already gone. Yeah. So I'm just curious, did Bobby Knight and, you know, the Calbert Cheneys of the world, the Steve Alfords, the Isaiah Thomases, did those guys mean anything to you as you were a grade school kid, middle school kid, becoming a really good high school basketball player? I mean, obviously, it's impossible not to know Bobby Knight and all those guys you just mentioned. And he, they were before me. But, I mean, if you're an IU basketball fan, you know everything about them. And they're very important. So I knew all those guys very well. 
and uh, I was fans of all of them. But uh, but being growing up in IU, like the, you respected the championships, but you were kind of looking still at what was there at the time. So I mean, as sure. a, um, big fans, but you know, not as connected as you were, just because I missed. Yeah, I missed no, your guy. It's it's funny because you're. Jordan Holes to you was Steve Alford to us. Oh, I got another story. What the heck? I, I forgot the coolest thing that I was ever when I was a kid. Let's hear it. This was, so I was probably fifth grade. Kelvin Sampson was the coach. Um, Dan Dockage had just become an assistant coach. And I went to IU basketball camp the summer they, they first got there. I got to meet uh, Dan Dockage pretty well. And uh, I went to St. Charles in, in uh, elementary and middle school. And so did his daughter. So we got to talking and then I got to meet his daughter. And somehow Coach Dockage got me the opportunity to become a ball boy. Ooh. So cool. So I this was when they had Eric Gordon, Armand Bassett. They, had, oh, they were a really DJ good DJ White. DJ White. Uh, like that was, they were legit. And I was oh, yeah. sitting underneath the basket, mopping the floors. Uh, shooting the ball shooting baskets at halftime and like that was the coolest thing and I, I like specific memory is I don't, probably some garbage game early in the year I started shooting hoops at halftime just because I had some time the guys weren't out yet and I started making some threes you know like I was a decent little shooter even when I was in fifth grade I started making some threes and sooner like pretty soon the, the crowd starts, starts kind of catching on like this this ball boy this little guy's making these threes so by the end of the halftime, the crowd's kind of going crazy. Not crazy, but like <laughs> gaining some momentum. Yeah. And I was like in heaven. Oh. Coolest thing ever. Oh, that That's is one cool. of my best highlights. I, I want to bring this up, Ward. I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast or on Reasonable Rabbi or just you and I chatting. But Ward and I recently had a conversation about, you know, I went to the Archie Victor camp mm-hmm. a, a little over a year ago. And Ward uh, had an opportunity to shoot some baskets after a game when we were back recently. Like we just, we basically stay until someone tells <laughs> us we have to leave the arena, yeah. you know? And we, we just sneak into the press room, like whatever we could do. Mm-hmm. And we both had the same exact experience that we've each shot 500,000 shots in our life because we love basketball. But shooting a basket on the court of Assembly Hall is scary, even when no one's watching. Mm-hmm. Did you, whether it was in fifth grade or when you ultimately got to be there, did you have that feeling too that this is just special and different? Hundred percent. I mean, it's you step on that court and you just it just feels different. You see those banners, see all the stands. Like there's no arena in college basketball that looks anything like assembly hall or has the tradition like it's a special special place and I, I think when I was young I was probably too naive to know kind of like I knew what was going on but I I didn't have that sense of what was actually happening around me I think even right. it wasn't until I was a player where I was more nervous for warm-ups than I ever was for a game at Bloomington South you know like <laughs> it was it was that big of a deal and it was like pressure's on I gotta hit my threes and uh warm-ups but yeah it's a cool cool place and like you said it's, it just feels different in that that arena and shooting hoops in assembly hall is one of the greatest things ever yeah so you 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 speak of bloomington south a lot of great players and teams came through there and and this is i'm guessing the first chance you have 
to be coached by a, a, a truly legendary coach. Maybe you had a great middle school coach or grade school coach. I don't want to diss anybody, but J.R. Holmes, can you talk a little bit about what his philosophy was and how that affected you, not only as a player, as you were going through um, that time there, but how you still carry that with you and always will as you go off into your, your coaching career? Yeah, so like I had, I've been very blessed to have so many good coaches throughout my whole career, even before Coach Holmes. I had some great AAU coaches, great middle school coaches. But once you get to Bloomington South and JR is your coach, it's, he's, his resume speaks for himself. Like he is an absolute legend, the most winningest coach in high school basketball history in the state of Indiana. Like he, he's the guy. And when I was going to South, I mean, he was already, already a Hall of Famer. So it's kind of like, it's his way or the highway. Like you either do what he says or he'll find someone else to do it because someone will. And you, you trust it too, because it, he is so great. He won so many games. Like he's always right. And he, he, most of the time he is. And I mean, (laughs) coming up to him, he's, he's, he's a tough coach. Like he's hard on his players and not everybody can take that. He's got a little bit of some tough love, but he, he pulls the best out of you because you want to please him and you want to do well for him because he is so legendary and he is, he is great coach. And I'd say like, I'm just speaking with other friends that I've had in AAU that were coached by different high school coaches. He's, he's another guy that's all about the preparation. You know, you don't see this as much in high school, but we watched film as high school, as high school players. Mm. Like we had, we had a specific class that was specialized weight training during school, specifically for the basketball team. So we would lift weights. Wow. We would watch film. The preparation is everything. And he's got a system. Like half the time, the team knows what play we're running, but we're going to run it so well that they still can't stop it. He's mm. execution. That's probably the one thing that I've learned from coaches. Coach Holmes is execution is everything. If you if you run it better than anyone, you still can't guard it even when you know that it's what's, what's coming. That was the old Bobby Knight thing. Everybody knew what we were running. We're running the motion offense. There was no, you know, nothing crazy about it, but he just did it so well. You can't, you can't stop. Yeah, I don't think, just do I don't think Coach Holmes better. has changed his plays and the whatever amount of years he's been coaching. He just runs it better than everyone. What is your single favorite memory from playing at Bloomington South? Is there one game that sticks out where you just went off and, and really uh, established yourself? Uh, well, I don't know when I established myself, but one game that I always remember from high school was the Crosstown rivalry, Bloomington North versus Bloomington South. And it was my senior year, and uh, we had a very good team. They were a solid team, and it was at Bloomington South. It was going to be my last regular season game ever facing Bloomington North. And maybe not the best decision but that I've ever made, but right before the game, maybe a, a few days before the game, I had just uh, committed and announced that I was going to go play a Wabash. So that kind of put an extra – target on my back for the fans mm. once the game came around mm. so it's a it's a packed out it's a packed crowd um like always and the game's getting going started off slow a little bit like I didn't wasn't very involved in the first quarter and as soon as I started touching the ball they started chanting d3 at me because I chose to go to Wabash which is a d3 school mm. so and as soon as they they did that in the start of the second quarter I came down and hit three or four threes like in a row, like right in front 
of the student section. Like I just dribbled down literally on fast break or just slow, slow push and just shot threes right in front of their other student section. Not intent, maybe a little bit intentionally. <laughs> Come on. But yeah, I made yeah. all of them. And I had a big quarter, I had 16 points. And I was like, we went on to win the game, but it was yeah. just like one of those moments where like you really work off the crowd, you know? And uh, that was probably one of the- Did you, did you say anything? Did you jaw at them at all? Did you look at them? I did definitely you look at looked. Them? I mean, I there was a, yeah, they, stare. they were mad and whatever, but like, I, I definitely stared, but I, I promise you, I didn't say a word. Didn't say a word. I was still focused at the task at hand, but I had to get a little stare at least, you know? Okay. I have a similar story real quick, just to follow up on that from a personal. I'm anecdote. sure it's not similar. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my junior year. I played in St. Louis for a school called Ledoux and we were playing a team in St. Louis that was like the best in the city called Berkeley. And they had, I mean, they had a squad. Mm -hmm. There was no way we were going to beat them. And I didn't play my junior year. I played very sparingly. Um, but I made a bet with my team, the practice before the Berkeley game, and we were playing them at Berkeley. Okay, big game. Oh, no, we played them at, we played them at home. It, it, we played them at home. It was a big game for us, though, because it was a highly ranked team coming in. And I made a bet that if we beat them, and I know it doesn't make sense now because I've got this wonderful, <laughs> beautiful dome, I I but I had going. a lot of hair. I had a lot of hair. And I said, I will shave my head bald, like with a razor, and leave Shaq spelled out in hair in the back of my head oh my if we, gosh if we win we smoked that's those good. That, i'm sure I mean, we killed them too and coach put me in the game at the end of the game because awesome. he knew and and the and everybody in the crowd knew that that was going to happen so everybody in the crowd is making their <laughs> oh, scissors wow. fingers and i look over at my coach who was a jerk and he's looking at me and he's going oh wow with the fingers that too. is good that is good and then so, so you, I got that cut. Mm -hmm. I did it. And then we went and played a game on the road against another really good team. The amount of, of just insults that oh, yeah. I heard. And I love when athletes say, oh, you block out the crowd. Well, that's how I knew I wasn't an athlete. <laughs> I heard every single oh, that's insult. That's good. Everyone. And I couldn't do anything about it because I didn't play. So I'm just sitting, sitting on there. the bench oh, yeah. while people are staring at this stupid head that's the whole so time. <laughs> and then is from that day on, you just kept your head shaven, right? It, it's, no, I wish that it's, was. It still says Shaq in the back back of his head. Why Shaq? Is Shaq well, your favorite your favorite player? No, it was, he was like the biggest player going at the time. So, and I think my teammates liked him. By the way, here's the other mistake I made: that whole leave hair shaved in the back of your head. That's what, like, let's be honest, white barbers in West County, St. Louis, aren't doing that. Oh, probably not. And I had mine do it. He struggled with the cue. <laughs> so, so people in the crowd were going, I would hear people go, what does shall mean? What does shall mean? He doesn't only have, he just spelled it wrong as well. Yeah, what is that? All right. I hope there is a, I'm sorry. I hope there is a picture of that that will be tweeted out when this episode I do too. Live. I, I, I don't know. Really I gotta find that. that. We gotta find that. I mean, that. look, that's the problem. That's the problem, Johnny, with old people like Ward and I. If it was today, there'd be a million oh, photos right. of it because everybody would have their phone. But back then you had to lug a camera with you. Uh. Like that didn't happen. Okay. I hope there's some, there's one that will resurface some. I gotta check my parents. Check, check with Marsha. Um. Yeah. So, 
we have a, as you know, Johnny, we have unlimited resources with uh, this podcast and our Cracker Jack team of researchers came up with a little bit of a gem today. Um, I, I, I was uh, speaking with one Russ Mitchell, the father of one Abraham Mitchell. Yes. Who um, happened to mention that your talents go beyond the basketball court, that you actually sing like an angel have incredible stage presence so as a a theater major from iu i've got to ask you about your experience on the stage at bloomington south and your uh, experience with the sound of south i believe is the, oh, the yeah. name of the group please please yeah. so this is something like not many people know like people some people in bloomington know but like you'd never guess this so there's this very prestigious advanced choir is what they call it at Bloomington South called Sounds of South. And they're they're an unreal choir. Like they perform really well at state ISMA stuff. Like I we we were second in state in one of my years there, like very, very good choir. And they don't only do choir, but they do um show choir as well. So they put on musical, a musical every single year. And as a freshman, I obviously wasn't in this class because for one, you have to try out. You have to try out to get in. And there's no way I'm doing that. So I was on the varsity team as a freshman and one of our senior captains was in the class. And I thought he was cool because he was cool. He was one of our better players. And he was in this class. I'm talking to him about it. He's like, man, you should, you should try it. Like you should, there's girls. You get to go on a class trip every year, which is either Disney world, New York, Gatlinburg, and it's an easy A. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm like girls, Disney world and a plus like, you can't get better than that. That's the but holy I'm, trinity but right then I, It's the holy trinity. Then I'm like, but I, I can't try out, dude. Like, I don't sing in front of people. I'm not trying. He's like, dude, I know her. She loves athletes. Like, well, I think we can get you in. So long story short, she lets me into the choir. And first year as a sophomore, I didn't have any role in any of the plays or anything like that. I'm just a chorus member, but I, I get my A. I don't meet any girls because that's probably my own fault and I couldn't go on the class trip either because AAU Mm. so I'm like ah that's kind of disappointing but whatever I still like the people in my class and it's it's fun and then we try out for the next musical that 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 for that following year and it is Les Mis and everybody sings the same part like it's the Jean Valjean part so I go in there and see in front of her whatnot which song which song uh, what was it it was it was probably is it bring, bring him, bring him, him home. home bring him yeah. home yeah yep. hard song oh, to sing boy very, very hard very song. high falsetto you know yeah and uh so she she she's releasing the the cast list in front of everybody like telling you what what got what who got what and john Valjean's last we had two casts like john Valjean will be blank and the other one will be johnny jagger and i'm kind of like Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is horrible. Jean this Valjean? Is horrible. I'm like, this is so bad. I, I, I'm not meeting any girls. I'm not going to class trip. And now I actually have a part like this is horrible. <laughs> so it took some coaching. Like I actually had voice lessons once a week for like two years straight. Like I was in, in deep, like I was in deep, but I, I fell in love with it. Like I honestly loved it. I loved performing. I loved being on stage. I was so nervous got over it and became a decent singer at best but like I loved it and then the following year was Phantom of the Opera 
and I got the Phantom. No way! What? Yes. What? I think. Wait, wait. All right, stop, stop it, stop yes. it. Time out, time out. We gotta go back. I want to talk more about Les Mis for a second okay. because I am a musical theater nerd. I do love it. Les Mis is one of the first shows I ever saw. First question is, do you think they just cast you as Jean Valjean because they liked being able to say Jean Valjean played by Johnny Jager? Almost. That, I do you mean, think that's, they liked that's how that sounded? Coolest, it sounds awesome. So that <laughs> It's unbelievable. But dude, that, that is one of the all-time greatest roles in the history of musical theater. Oh, I was so lucky. I mean, I had Les Mis and Phantom. And I got to be the main in both those. Like like you said, those are incredible characters. Incredible. Wait a minute. Do you still remember some of the music? Like it was yesterday, but I'm not <laughs> going to sing. Yes. I'm not going to sing give for us, you. You got to give us one no lyric. Chance. If you, one lyric. If you come back to Bloomington, I'll sing you a whole song, but I am not singing on this podcast. It, music the music my of voice the is night. Hoarse. Can, you, can you not hear me? My, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm nighttime charms, heightened sensation. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. Check it out. That is tremendous. Uh, and I will also throw in that that Russ said you were a, a hell of a dancer too, which makes sense. You know, I could see you as kind of like a Gene Kelly. You being so coordinated. You know, I got a little, I got some moves. I was more confident with my dancing than my singing. I, I was, I was out there flowing on the dance floor. Oh. What if I said to you, one day more. Another day, another destiny. <laughs> I got it. That's it. That's another it. day, another da, da, da. Yes, I love it so much. What if I much. said, master of the house. Good and, uh, I don't remember those words as much. Bro, bro. Bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, not yours, not the, yours. The movie was coming out the same year that we were performing. So it was like awesome. It was such a cool time to like be doing Les Mis. I didn't know a whole lot about it, but like the movie was out. I was like, we're going to watch the movie. I'm going to get my character, X-Men, you know. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. I know this is just self-indulgent, but I got to share this story. So I was in show choir at Ledoux High School for the same exact reasons <laughs> that you were. Hopefully okay? you were more the successful same, at the girl part. Zero success. <laughs> zero success. Except for one girl who I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but I've got to say it. We'll decide later if I'm going to take it out. <laughs> oh, gosh. One girl came in. I won't use her name because this is a bad story. <laughs> she came into school halfway through the year and she was gorgeous. And I could have hooked up with her and I got too scared. I got too scared. It was the night of a hockey uh, game. There was a guy in show choir with me and he and I were both going for the same girl and she chose me first and I got scared because I'm like, I don't know how to deal with this oh, woman. God. It's too much for me. All right, but wait. Talk about so stage like, fright. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Big time stage fright. So I go, he's all, she's all yours. He hooks up with her that night after the hockey game. <laughs> Two weeks later, he's got herpes. <laughs> no. no. It looks like. God was watching over you, not with the judge shot, but with this girl he was watching Dude, over you. it's the luckiest I've ever gotten oh in my, my entire God. life. That almost sounds kids. fake. It's so good. I know. It is 100% real. That's awesome. So my point is, not really. stage fright in this world can be really a really good it thing. It can be. So anyway, I'm not going to tell the other story because that one is good enough. But what made you more nervous? Being Jean Valjean or the Phantom or lacing them up and putting on the candy stripes at assembly hall definitely uh the the show choir i mean 
everybody, I get some butterflies before games, but once you, you hit the floor and you start going, forget about all that, you're immersed in the game. But when I'm, when I was in show choir, like you sing a song, then you could be off, you, you could be in your scenes, and then you could be off set for a good 10, 15 minutes. So you kind of got to get back into your, your zone again. And, and it, it was just a little more scary for me. I just feel like I didn't have as much control as I did over my plan of the game. But uh, though it was a little more nerve wracking, it was also when you're done and you're taking that bow, I could probably compare it to hitting a game winner. Like it was, it was that awesome. Well, you're, you're talking to Ward Roberts, who, uh, who was the star of many plays in Indiana, including some that required him to sing. Wait, well, and I'm sure I did not do as well as you in that department. I never did, but I, I did co-star in one Shakespearean production with one Eric Penkowski. Okay. And I thought, I, I immediately thought of that when you were like, and you know, when you're off stage and you really want to still uh -huh. kind of be like in the zone, in the mindset. And I couldn't agree with you more. Eric, however, never felt that way. For some reason, that's not surprising at all. <laughs> like, like at, at one point I had to physically, while being right next in the green room, I had to like, I have to go away from Eric in order to get on stage and, and recite Shakespeare. Clearly, he doesn't worry mm -hmm. about it the way I do. God bless him. I wish I yes. had that, but I yeah, do really not. That really surprise me. <laughs> there was a scene where Ward and I, uh, my character, Ward's character, had to like just walk around the perimeter of the main stage at Bloomington doing this, uh, um, doing the Shakespearean play. And you know, you're supposed <laughs> to be doing like the small talk, yeah. like you're supposed to be in the moment. All I'm doing is trying to bust Ward. Oh I am God. just trying to get him to laugh. And I can tell, like, he's still using the accent uh -huh. that, he's, that he's in the character. Yeah. And I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know why I'm there, to be honest with you. <laughs> And, and, and Ward had a major part in this play. And I realized afterwards, like years afterwards, how incredibly immature it was of me. I was just trying to screw him up. And this is like what Ward wanted to do for a career. And I'm just screwing him up. Oh, God. It made me it stronger. Made it, it made me it stronger. Get right back in your game. Um, so I have... So good. I have to ask this after hearing Russ talk up your, your skills so much that while I never had to make the choice between going and playing basketball in college or going into the theater department at college. I did have the opportunity to be an IU basketball manager. That's awesome. But it was. And as a guy who grew up with so much reverence mm -hmm. and love for Coach Knight, and he was still there, and this legendary high school coach, Bob Macy from Peru, Kyle Macy's father, was who gave me that opportunity. But before going down there and actually interviewing, I did a little homework, and I'm like, this is a choice. You either have to be all in with IU basketball or, or all in with IU 100%. theater and trying to do this thing. And I, I knew I had no professional future in basketball whatsoever. So I made that difficult decision as, as you were committing to Wabash College. Was there any part of you in making that decision or even saying, hey, I know I'm going to go play hoops, but did you think about continuing the, the theater and the singing and the dancing? So that's interesting because like going to Wabash, they don't give athletic scholarships. So it's all merit-based with, with academic and if other things like test scores and stuff like that. A great school. Great school, great school. Nothing bad to say about it. I loved Wabash. But um, one of the ways I earned some, some scholarship money was I performed 
uh, to the theater department. Um, what was it? It was uh, it was a song from Les Mis. It was Empty Chairs at Empty Tables. Mm. And I sang that. Oh, and my friends, song, my friends, don't ask me. I love that song. Great song. But uh, so that was a way I, I earned some. I know. I, I know. I wasn't getting <laughs> You weren't buying it. <laughs> I wasn't. You got me a few, smart. but You're not that smart. time. Too smart. But I, I actually earned some money for uh, performing these these songs, and I didn't actually end up having to do anything in the at, uh, in the theater. But I was going to, if I would have been there, I probably would have performed in some uh, in some other place. But uh, I definitely definitely was something I still thought about doing because I loved it. I did love. It. I miss it to this day. And those are some of the greatest memories from high school that I still carry with me. So talk to us about the decision to go to Wabash, because I would imagine it wasn't your only opportunity to play basketball. I mean, you were you were one of the best players, if not the best player on a, on a really good Bloomington South team. You scored a lot of points. You, you stuffed the staff sheet everywhere. You knew the game really well. What led to the decision at that point to go play at Wabash? Yeah, so I did have a couple opportunities to go play places, but uh, Wabash really – uh, I, I fell in love with Wabash pretty, pretty early. Like I, I loved their, their coaching staff, Kyle Brummett. It was his first year um, as, as the coach at Wabash. And he was, he was awesome. He was so such, uh, he was a great coach and he really believed in me. And he kind of wanted me to be the guy that like, I'm starting here new. This Wabash program used to be one that was one of the top in D3 basketball. And I think you can help us bring it back there. So I loved that about him. And then I also love the school. I mean, it is very prestigious school. It's a great academic school. And I was really into the whole idea of going there and getting a great education and then uh, having a good career after. But then obviously, Wabash is an all-male school. And that's what everybody asked me. How could you go to an all-male school? And that really wasn't a big issue with me, even when they were recruiting me. I, I, I didn't think that wasn't top of my priority list. And I also did have a sister, I did, I do have a sister, but at the time she was, uh, she was at DePaul, which is just 30 minutes south. So I was like, plus I got 30, I got a girl's 30 minutes down the road with sister. Like, I think if I wanted one, I could figure it out. <laughs> so it was never that plus, big. Plus there's thing. all those Crawfordsville babes. Yeah, the local Crawfordsville townies. That's what everybody says. You're busting in the townies, not the other girls. Listen, listen. We love Crawfordsville. And if there's any alumni who live in Crawfordsville who want to vote for trustee, we love them. So let's not let's not shit on Crawfordsville. No, never. Never would I ever. It's just, it's a small town. Yeah. It's it just the numbers right. game. I'm from it's Peru. I understand game. how it works. <laughs> um, oh. So you make the decision to go to Wabash. And... Mm -hmm. You tear it up. I mean, you start mm -hmm. every game. You're scoring 15 points a game. You're shooting well. You're playing well. You're having games of 30 points against several uh, schools. You're having games of double-digit assists and double-doubles. All North Coast Conference honors. Yeah. What, what happened at the end of that year that made you think that you needed a change? So I wanted to – when I went to school, my goal, I was majoring in biochemistry with a minor in – something something hard and and school was honestly kicking <laughs> kicking my butt you know i i've been used to i've been a straight a student all my life but then i i kind of struggled with the transition of 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 uh basketball and and academics and i i, I won't sugarcoat out school was kicking my butt and i wasn't doing that well and i wanted to be a dentist and i was like all right my grades there's 
pretty much I'm shot. Like I can't go into dentistry. I almost had like a midlife kind of like, what the heck am I going to do right. for the rest of my life? Like I've been thinking about going into this and now it's, I can't, like, it's just not in the cards. So I'm like, what the heck am I going to do? Basketball was fine. I loved my coaches, my teammates. And I was just like, it's been in front of me from the start. Like I love basketball has been my passion forever. And I've always considered myself a high, high IQ guy. I love watching the game, not just playing the game. And I just love learning about the game. Like I should go into coaching. Like I'd love to coach basketball. And so I, uh, I, I knew coach Crean at the time from being, having some family relations with him and his family. And uh, so over the summer, um, I kind of contacted Crean and was like, Hey, I, I kind of want to, I'm thinking about becoming a coach. Can, is there any way we can meet and I could pick your brain about the profession, some questions I have, like, how the heck did you get there? Like, just, just pick your brain about coaching as a career. So we're talking, we talked for a couple hours. Like he was so awesome and letting me talk to him for one. And then just the way he spent the time and put the time in to, to really give me a good, honest uh, perception of the career. And then we got to the end of the, the conversation. He's like, you know, like he wanted to know what, what level I wanted to coach in division one. I want to go as high as I can. And he's like, we, one of our walk-ons just transferred to go to Hillsdale. We have an open spot. Like if you really wanted to, you can walk on here. Mm. And I'm like, uh, that sounds freaking awesome. Yes, sign me up. But not 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 actually that fast. Right. Like I was like, obviously that sounds like an amazing opportunity. And I can't believe you even offered that. Like if, I'm gonna talk to my parents, kind of see what's the best option for me moving forward. And uh, I'll get back to you. Can I ask so, real quick though, Johnny, was walking on at Indiana before you decided to go to Wabash, was that ever in the cards? Was that ever discussed? It was kind of discussed. I talked with a, with a couple people about it and they thought I could do it and, and, and stuff like that. But I really was gung-ho about playing and play. basketball. I, w- I wanted to play. I wanted to get in there and right. get back on the court. But then at this, at this point with wanting to go into coaching – and having the opportunity to walk on IU is kind of the best of both worlds. It would help with my profession. And uh, it was a dream of mine since I was four years old. You and, know, like, how can you and let's turn not forget that down? The girls. Girls. Let's not forget the girls. And there were girls at IU. Yeah. Which wasn't in, wasn't in the plan. Sure it wasn't. Plan, sure it wasn't. But yeah. I guess it may have, might have had some, a little weight. Yeah, it's, the, the, side, it's the cherry on top. It was a cherry on top, exactly. But no, so it was, it was a hard decision because I did like Wabash. I have friends from Wabash still that I talk to every single day and ones that'll be in my wedding, but it was just the best for me at the time to go to IU. And I'm so glad I did it. Never would have, I would have done it a, a million times more if, if I could do it over again. So that's, so when you, yeah. oh, no, go ahead. Mark. I was going to say when, when you get down there, you know, and you're, you're, you're getting on the court with these guys and you got OG and Unobi, Thomas mm-hmm. Bryant, like James you Blackman. Got I mean, Juwan Morgan. You've got like three future NBA players you're now stepping onto the court with and AAU, and I'm sure some high level high school games. You know, you've been around a guy like that here or there, mm-hmm. but now you're out there mixing it up with them every day. W- were you ever just like physically scared? 
holy cow i was every kind of scared like, <laughs> i was i was like this is just so different and like these guys are literally trying to go to the nba and will be next year and i'm just like over here in the corner like uh hi happy to be here like my name is johnny like i was so nervous but like i was so lucky these guys were not only great basketball players they were good dudes too like they welcomed me in with open arms coach Crean gave me that opportunity which was so awesome and I, I respect coach Green so much because he coached me like he coached Thomas Bryant like, I love that like he didn't treat me differently because I was a walk-on and like I couldn't dress for games because it was a transfer season after every game day practice coach Green would put me through an end of a 60-minute individual workout like as a walk-on really like, that's that was yeah, that that he himself you don't hear about that. He himself and like managers would work me out before a game. So this is a question that we ask everybody who played in that era, but it seems appropriate now. Was it at that moment when he was doing individual workouts for you, or some other moment where you realized he was a total crazy person? I I just I didn't think he was a total crazy person. I just thought this is the way Division One basketball is. You know, like I had no way of gauging any of this. Right. I came from a D3 school where we, where I did more stuff in, on my high school team. We watched more film, lifted more weights in high school. And so this was, I was like, I've heard it's tough. This is just, it's different at this level. And that's the way it is, you know? Wow. So I didn't think he was a crazy person. I mean, I knew he was like into it, like obviously more than most, but yeah. like, I was like, this is just the way it goes at the big stage. And when in, when, in the process of walking on, being part of practices, um, obviously you're not playing because you had to sit out that year. When did you totally embrace the strength and conditioning program? Because you are a bit of a legend and we'll get into mm -hmm. it a little bit. When it comes to strength and conditioning and how strong you are, uh, in fact, I'll just say it right now because this is why I was talking to Cliff earlier. You still hold records at Indiana. In the six-foot category, you hold the trap bar squat record. Ward, do you know what the record is, Ward? Because we're going to play a little game here. Uh, I, I don't know. No. Get, so Take a guess on what you think Johnny squat, bar squat. This is just the, the, the bar across the back of the shoulder, squat down and bring it back up, right? Is it once or is it how many reps? It's it's actually like you, you're holding it like on your hands and you pull it up. Okay. Pull it up. okay. Yeah. Um, I'll, and like one time. Yeah, one time. I'll say... 475. Oh, wow. I mean, you're, you should have shot lower so that when I said the number, it was really impressive. I have no frame of <laughs> yeah, reference. Yeah. This yeah. is something you always go low. Bad, <laughs> you always go low. Do it again. Do it again. Uh, 215 pounds. 420 pounds. Whoa! That's unbelievable! <laughs> yeah. And, that's much better. And, by the way, Johnny, we don't edit any of that shit out at all. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, and love you it. hold the record in the six-foot category for the NBA Combine Hundred. By the way, the six foot category. Let's keep in mind who is in that group. That I'm includes, lucky. There's not that many. It's Yogi Ferrell. Yeah, he's Yogi. He all the ones that I don't have, he has all of them. Okay, the 185 bench press. How many times you could? There's a club. They have a club at IU on how many uh, times you can bench that. Ward, do you know how many times Johnny bench pressed 185 pounds? Three. Twenty. What? Yes. <laughs> We picked up quick. We learned quick. <laughs> yeah, you're good, Ward. I appreciate you. But so my point is, you clearly embrace strength and conditioning 
with with the same kind of determination that you, that you had to become a better basketball player, to be Jean Valjean and the Phantom. What what when did that kind of trigger for you? So the first time I started lifting weights was in uh in high school freshman year. Like I said, we were lucky at our high school to have a class that was specifically made for our basketball team, and we lifted weights two to three times a week, and I I loved it starting from day one. I mean, I just it makes you feel good to lift weights. You start seeing some progress, which makes you feel better. And it's just kind of like some for the girls, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like, I just, I, I, I really enjoyed doing it. I still do it today. And, and only when it, when it got to college, it was just ramped up five notches. And it, it's just, there's so many things that go into it. It's not just about how much you lift. It's what kind of workouts are you doing? How do you, how do you switch from day to day? What kind of protein are you taking? What protein shake are you drinking? And I just, I kind of came, became addicted to it a little bit. And I just, I just loved it. It made me feel good just to get out there and push some iron. Yeah. And when you get out of there, your endorphins are flowing. You're like, that was a good 60 minute workout. And I love it. Is there any part of you when you're, you know, we just talked to Kyle Tabor as well, which was, mm-hmm. which was great because Tabor's existence at Indiana was tumultuous and, and insane, but went from a walk-on who never expected to play ever to being yeah. a starter playing 25 minutes mm-hmm. a game on a team that only won six games. But yeah. but I'm just curious, you played, you were a star in high school, you were a star at Wabash, and now the role has completely flipped. Is mm-hmm. there part of you that maybe because you weren't on the court, you know, excelling like you had been, that the weight room became your court? that 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 was you were able to get your competitive juices out there i i say 100 percent. like I, I since i wasn't on the court as much a lot of times i would get extra lifts in with coach cliff you know like i wanted to do really well at this because i enjoyed it but also like you said the competitive nature i still wanted to be better than people at certain things yeah. you know and if i couldn't beat them on the court i could maybe get a get a leg up on in the bench and 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 not only did i wasn't competitive, but it brought out the best in everybody. You know, like I realized everybody has a role, regardless if you're a walk-on, if you're the star player and going from playing a lot to not playing a lot, wasn't a big deal for me because for one, I, I knew I was doing it for a higher purpose to learn and hopefully be successful in this career, but also like scout team and walk-ons have an important role that nobody really sees or even talks about that, that often. Like you have to get these guys ready to play you have to give them the best look they can get in practice of when you're playing Michigan, I'm Michigan's point guard and I got to do what they do to make our guys ready to play. And I, uh, and I was competitive in that too. Like I still wanted to, to, to bust OG's ass and scout team, yeah. you know, but uh, I mean, it was definitely competitive in, in both weightlifting and even on scout team. And, and I, I loved it for it. Hit us with a good OG story. I, I'm sort of enamored with him with his almost, uh, he's an enigma, you know, from his reaction to hitting a dagger in the NBA playoffs to mm-hmm. doing to doing fashion, you know, with Serge Ibaka. He just seems like such a unique and to me fun guy. What What's a good insight you got on him? Such a good dude. So much fun. I'm actually very close to OG. He's a, he's a good, good friend of mine. And a good story, OG story is, remember when on his draft night, when he, they asked him, what's going to be your first purchase? Or what are you going to, where are you going to go from here? What are you going to do? What are you going to get? 
He said, I'm going to buy some cheesecake. <laughs> I'm like, okay, first of all, that's weird. So then I texted him. I'm like, OG, congrats, whatever. What kind of cheesecake did you get? <laughs> He's like, dude, I don't know why I said that. I hate cheesecake. <laughs> I don't even like cheesecake. <laughs> And that's just the kind of guy, OG's a funny dude. He's, he's, he's such a character. You'd never meet a guy like OG. He's, he's, he's super good dude. Super awesome. Super fun to be around. Just a quirky, quirky, funny dude. And did you see where his talent was going to take him? Did you, were you surprised when what happened in the bubble happened? Uh, Not surprised. I mean, OG was always a worker. Like he got significantly better, like every single year at I or two years at IU. And then in the NBA, he's made some great progressions. He's a hard worker. But I mean, he's six nine, seven foot wingspan, could guard the one through five. Like he, he's guarding LeBron, and he shut down Jamal Murray in the in the tournament game yes. when IU beat Kentucky. Yeah, go Hoosiers! And I mean, you knew at the least he was going to be an elite defender in the NBA, and now he's just blossomed even more than that. What do you remember? So that year you were redshirting, right? So mm-hmm, did, did you travel with the team? I uh, no, could not travel. At, at okay, all. so you didn't go to that tournament game, the, those no, tournament games. I did not. Okay, so the other thing, obviously, uh, so that was wait, was that was that your year? Yes, and then and then your sophomore year, or or right, your sophomore, your second year at Indiana turned out to be mm-hmm. Tom Crean's last year. Uh, it was actually my my first year was Tom Crean's. Last oh, your year. first year was Tom Crean's last year. But wait a minute, then mm-hmm. didn't the when did the OG the OG year happen before that? The the tournament OG happened was the year that, before. OG, yeah, so I was a redshirt freshman, OG's sophomore season. Got it. Okay, and then so, OG got injured in mm-hmm, in that, Coach Crean's last season, which correct. like th- that was such a unique season because oh, you're sitting so there, you've got at least in home games, you know, you're. You're watching this, and I, I'm curious about your perspective, not only as a, a teammate, but as a future coach. Mm-hmm. And you see beat number three, Kansas. Get ranked number three, lose to Fort Wayne. Then you go yeah. and you play the new number three, North Carolina, beat them. Beat them. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and that that season was, was so up and down early on, and even before the injury to OG and then to, to Blackman, before that starts piling up, already things were starting to fall apart, you know, mm-hmm. in later December and early January, what was, what was going on with the team, both, you know, on the court behind the scenes. And, and are you taking mental notes on, on to how to survive something like this when, when you're running the show? Yeah, I just, it like, it was the most unique season and team I've ever been a part of. Like, like you said, we were the number one power ranking team in the country and didn't end up making the tournament. Like it was like a turn for the worse. It just kind of flip of a switch. But I mean, obviously there were some injuries in there that did make a a big difference. But just as like a player, it was just such a stressful, stressful season. You know, like the coaching staff was stressed out because they probably knew the implications if things didn't go well. And, And us players could really feel the stress from not only the coaching staff, but the fans. I feel like it was a, just like there was so much on young people's shoulders that it just kind of crumpled apart. And then, then everybody started trying to look out for themselves rather than the team. Like it's hard to, when stuff's going wrong to come together and say, yo, this is not, this is not how we're going out. 
you, you know, and, and I think we, we didn't have one guy to really pull us all together and say, yo, we got to fix this. And uh, it was just very interesting. And, and I just think it was, there was a lot of factors involved, but uh, like wanting to be a coach, I think I did learn a lot and I learned what to do, some things, what not to do. And those will be things that I'll just carry with me throughout my career. When Coach Crean was ultimately let go, clearly this is somebody who you had, I assume, a pretty good relationship with. I mean, and, and it extended beyond basketball. You Did you know mm -hmm. his kids? Did they go to Bloomington South? So they actually went to St. Charles, which is where yeah. I went to, went to school. So my brother was good friends with Riley, his son. They were in the same grade. And then my, my older sister was uh, good friends with his, his oldest daughter. So, so we had that, right. that connection. So you have a personal connection to him and he's let go and he's the one who gave you the opportunity at mm -hmm. Indiana. How hard was that for you personally? I mean, clearly your eyes are on the bigger prize of your future and what that means to you. But were you worried uh, when that change happened that would the next guy give you the same opportunity? Mm -hmm. um, what was that like for you in that transition? So first of all, I just felt for Coach Crean and his family because he did, he has been so good to me and my family. He gave me the opportunity to fulfill a dream. And then the next season he's let go. And I remember he texted me like shortly after the news came out, he, he, he apologized to me. Mm. And I was wow. like, coach, what are you apologizing? Like, thank you so much for this opportunity. Whatever happens, happens. But like, you gave me one of the best years of my life, regardless of how the season went. Like, there's no reason. Like, I just couldn't believe that he was apologizing to me. me like, was I gotta a, say, look, I'm, it says I, something for his character. Like he, it does. Great. It shows a, Look, we're really hard on Crean on the show because mm -hmm. we care about wins and losses, you know, and we yeah. have no personal connection. So it's different and, and it, it allows us to be immature and silly about it. But him reaching out to you to apologize to you, him putting you through that individual workout, mm -hmm. that speaks to something that I don't, I've never really thought about him as. And, yeah. and, and he deserves credit for that because that does show some, that shows some humility, you know, in him reaching out 100%. to you that that's really special. That's a, that's a really interesting thing. It was, he cares about his players. Like from the day he meets them to the day, whatever, like yeah. he always cares about them, but like, yeah, that was, that was difficult. And, and then after all that did happen and some time passed, I was a little nervous about my place. You know, I didn't know if maybe this was it for me and I was going to have to just be a normal student. And if, 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 I mean, obviously, I didn't want that, but just head over um, to the theater department and grab the main role. Head over and start start singing more. But, <laughs> but uh, well, and just to clarify, as as a walk on, you're not like signing some sort of commitment between you mm -hmm. and the university or the program. It's just a handshake deal, year to year, really. Exactly, year to year. Uh, but uh, yeah, like so, I was nervous, and I had no idea what was going to happen. But I remember when Coach Miller got got hired. Um, we were called in by. I Scott Dolson at the time because he was our sport administrative, our, our guy for our sport. And and uh, then Archie came like next day or something. It was like we had a team meeting and he said, everybody in this room is coming back next year. Like everybody, we need this team. Like we're, we have pieces in this room to make it work and we're going to we're going to go. So I, I kind of took it like I'm, I'm still here. I'm taking I'm, he said it. He said it, not me. So. 
I was like, you could just be kind of like Kramer and just kind of start showing up at work. Nobody's hired you. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's told you to go home. I was like you guys, stay in here. Scott Dolson, though, and I do wonder with his his background as a manager for the mm-hmm. 1987 <laughs> championship team, is that sort of a connection that you have? We were back when there was one reunion where there were a lot of like like managers of guys who've been around the team, and we know the managers work as hard or harder than walk-ons and players. Mm-hmm. Is it something like anybody who's like been in the practices of IU basketball? Is there just like a bond there, no matter what your your capacity was? 100%. It doesn't matter if you were mopping the floors, getting the water bottles, you were the best player, or you were a guy that never saw the court. If you've been through it, there's a mutual respect from everyone involved that you you both did it together and you're 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 closer for it and you're you're part of a family. You know, like like you said, managers work harder than anyone in this program, you know. And and our players are friends with the managers. Like like there's it's a family and and no matter when you played or didn't play, no matter what year it was, you you respect him for it. Well, and when managers go on to run NBA franchises and Division One teams, you know you know they're getting something out of it too, aren't you? Our manager resume has got to be the most impressive in the country. Like of what some of our managers have become, it's it's inc- it's incredible. I'd hire any one of them in a in a heartbeat. Um, what about the transition now? So Archie comes in, and I think it's safe to say. And I'm not saying better or worse here. I'm just saying Archie and Tom are two polar opposite human beings. They're just very different personalities, very different people, very different philosophies. You can see it on the court and you can see it mm-hmm. off the court. Was it at all difficult for you to form a relationship with a new guy that you had no personal connection with? And was it hard to adjust to a totally new system? It definitely takes takes some time, just like anything. Whenever management changes or anything changes, it takes some time to adjust because things are different. Like you're learning a whole new, not just basketball things, but just a whole way, whole new way of doing everyday life, like in terms of schedules and, and stuff like that. But for me, I think even and for most of our guys, it was a very smooth transition. Like I think it was pretty seamless, to be honest. Like 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 you said, Coach Miller and Coach Ostrom and, and, and Tom are all different. But like our staff now has so many different kind of personalities that all mesh into this one team amongst our staff that there's no person that they can't connect with. Because you have all these different personalities that just work together to create a team that that can get along with anyone. And uh, I think for me, it was especially easy just because as a walk and I was a little bit of a jokester, you know, I, I can talk with just about anybody. And, and, and so could a lot of guys in our staff. So it was, it was easy for me. And I think for our whole team, really. We all know about the uh, late night. Hey guys, we got to practice at 7 a.m. You didn't know about scheduling that was going on before. So I'd almost Mm -hmm. think with a a little bit more structure that, that maybe in some ways it was a little bit easier that are like, Oh, I'm glad we did the harder, more erratic schedule first, because now with this, we like, Oh, this isn't bad. We can do this. 100% like that's like kind of what I said earlier like I just kind of thought that's how division one basketball was like you just (laughs) showed up whenever the heck they told you and we didn't have much of a much of a schedule or structure but once uh the new staff came in like we had a full week of this is when we have activities and it's like 
holy cow, I can kind of plan my life now. It's, and it's, like you said, it was a little dip, more difficult before. And that definitely made the transition easier because it was a little easier to manage. I want to just take a, a quick half step back because the thing we didn't talk about in that year was the first time you got to step on the court as a player wearing the Indiana jersey. Mm-hmm. Walk us through what you remember about that game specifically, what your what was going through your head the moments before coach called you to go to the table and check in. Honestly, I can't even tell you who we played, what I did, because it was such a big moment. I blacked out. <laughs> he says, Johnny, you're in. Go, go, go to the check into the table. I'm like shaking in my boots for one. And then the rest is history. Like I, the, everything went black. I'm like, I couldn't even tell you what the heck happened. Cause it was just so momentous and like just everything I'd ever dreamed of. It was like, holy cow. Then you guys gotta stop and just take it in. You're you're standing there at a free throw and you're just like looking around, not knowing that there's a game going on. You're like, this is incredible. You know, wow. like this is this is insane. And it was, I was obviously very distracted and not my head wasn't very much into the game. It's just like, don't make don't make a mistake. This is the coolest thing ever. Don't be the walk on that gets his pocket picked and score a layup on. You know. <laughs> do, do you but remember? So cool. Do you remember your first points? Oh, of course. All right, okay, give course. us that story. So this is we're talking free throws here, right? Yeah, this is the sure. uh, this is the NIT game. Uh, two years ago, I think two years ago now, two years ago, we're playing some St. Francis, PA. We're up big in NIT. I get in, and everybody's like, kind of like Johnny, you you've passed up shots whenever you've gotten in. Sack up and put one, <laughs> put one up. You know, like <laughs> just shoot the ball. And I'm like, oh gosh! I, I, obviously, every time I went in, I'm like, I'm gonna shoot it. But then you get in, you get a little scared, and you're like, don't yeah. do it. So I I drive baseline, and uh, I get fouled. I get a hand check while I'm driving, and it's one on one, one and one. So I'm shaking in my boots. People say I look calm and collected, but I I was not. And it's like you have to make this first one in order to get the second one. You know, it's one on one, and uh, my my fiance my girlfriend at the time and my roommate were sitting behind the basket and I'm not thinking about cameras or anything like I don't do this like I don't know what's going on I'm just about to shoot this free throw and this is really cool and so I look at my fiance and my uh my roommate and I give him that wink like (laughs) wink like I'm like winking and I'm licking my lips at the same time so it, it was caught on camera. I don't know if you guys saw the video, but it was caught on camera. And it was, I'll send it to you guys. It's yeah, actually yeah, really I want funny. to see that. And it was completely like not on purpose. So I wink and lick my lips. I get the ball. I shoot it. And the first one goes down. And then I'm like, oh, thank God I made the shot. I made the shot. So is it more relief? Easy. Is it more relief oh, than excitement? Relief. 100% relief. Like, I made it. I could have airballed this thing. Yeah. And then I made the second one. But uh, it was so cool and then when i got off out of the game and my phone is just blowing up i'm yes. like what the heck and they're like did you see tv they had a close-up on your face while you were winking and licking your lips <laughs> and now there's like some gifts like it's it's pretty oh. cool i'm gonna i'm gonna send it to you guys yeah, please it's do. Just, if it was a good coincidence if there's the gift version uh i'll take oh, it Lord, i'll be using it as you described it, version in the full. Okay. I was like, I will make a gif of that if it is not already. It's, it's pretty funny. It's you mentioned your, your girlfriend then and fiance. Now tell us a little bit Mm -hmm. about her, where you met her and uh, 
and when the wedding is. Yeah, she's a she's a Bloomington girl, just like like I'm a Bloomington guy. So, and she went to North, mm. uh, those North Siders, but and I went to South. Yep, and she's a, a year younger than me, but I knew her in high school. We kind of had some mutual friends, and uh, I, we were friends in high school. So for three years, we were friends in high school, and then um, we kept in contact. My my freshman year when I was at Wabash, um, so we we kept that relationship. Then I came back to IU and we started talking more. We were around each other more. We were good friends. And it just kind of turned into this, this long four-year friendship. And then we kind of got closer and closer, started hanging out more. And then we just were like, why aren't we dating? We should probably date since we're so close. We're always together. And the rest is history. We dated three and a half years. And now I, I we're engaged. Like I proposed about a month ago. How'd you propose? Um, so it was just on a normal off day a month ago. And uh, we, we, on a Wednesday, Wednesday uh, at Malibu, they have $5 martinis. Hmm. So me and her <laughs> like to go get a, an appetizer and a $5 martini on Wednesdays. So I'm like, hey, uh, pick me up from work. Um, let's go get some martinis and we'll have a good date night. You know, we'll have a good date night. So she picks me up from work and I'm like, hey, I got to show you something at Assembly Hall. Like there's this new thing that we're working on. I'm a let's go get a VIP look. And uh, so I stop her right in front of assembly hall. I get down on my knee. I do my spiel. Uh, I propose to her right in front of assembly hall, just as any towny couple should. Yes. And then we go downtown to meet my parents, her parents, and we have $5 martinis at, <laughs> at, uh, at Malibu Grill. So it was, it was perfect. Most romantic proposal I've ever heard of. It was awesome. And it was so, it was, it was perfect. It was, it was great. That's good. And, and of course she's a basketball fan, right? Like, Oh, she has to be right. She has to be how much of that came from your friendship turning romantic. And she's like, Oh, I better get on board with this. Or was she coming to that separately with, with that in tow? I'm lucky because she has, she has two brothers of her own. So she's grown up in sports and family and that loves sports. So uh, I never had to convince her to be a, a, a basketball fan. Uh, she's always been a sports fan. So that just made, made my decision to get married to her even easier, you know? So I'm a lucky guy. Let's just say that I'm very lucky. Well, it's a big deal to sign up for a life with a coach. hundred percent, hundred percent. It's a big deal. And I'm, and she's perfect for it. And so we're, we're a good, good match. That's good. Uh, how does it work? Uh, like when you're on a staff with a bunch of people that are married, like, are you and Tom Ostrom and his wife going out to dinner with your fiance? Are you getting together with, with Archie and Morgan? Like, what, what or, or like, is it weird? Like, what is that? It's not weird. I mean, I mean, when we have recruits uh, these past year, when we were allowed to have recruits, you know, for visits, uh, everybody's family comes, you know, it, it makes it really cool. We like everybody to be involved because it is a family environment here. Oh, we want everybody cool. to feel like, like they're a part of something. So whenever we'd have a dinner at coach's house, um, everybody's wives, kids, uh, my girlfriend at the time, everybody was there. And, and so they all had a good relationship. And then with our young support staff on the, on the, on the staff, we, we are all very close in the office. Oh and yeah. Like Brian and Drew and those Brian, Drew, Ben, like yeah. the other GA, Jack and Matt Raffer, the other GA. So like, we're all really close and, and we're lucky that we, we all like each other so much and we're all cool dudes, I guess you could say. And then our, our wives and fiancés, girlfriends all like each other too. So it just makes it, makes our, my whole work life a lot better that I work with people I like and, 
outside of it too. It, it does sound like you're, I mean, look, you're working your butt off and they're making you work your butt off, which is good, but you are in, look, you're at your dream school, right? You're at the place that you grew up loving. But the truth is, this is going to end for you, right? Yeah. Like, because you're not going to stay in Indiana and matriculate up and become the head coach of Indiana without going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And, and do you think about that? Like, how hard is that going to be for you to pick up and move to, you know, Spokane, Washington, if you have to, because you get a job as, you know, mm-hmm. as, a, as a junior assistant on a staff? What, you ever think about that? Oh, all the time. I mean, I mean, my goal is to, is to become a head coach. And I know that that means I'm going to have to go have experiences wherever the heck I, I end up. You know? Yeah, like, with I different could be staffs anywhere. and different Different coaches. staffs, different places of the country. But like, rather than be scared or, or nervous, I think it's so exciting. You know, like I, I, I love Bloomington. I grew up here and I've been to Bloomington all my life. So I'm not going to say I'm ready to leave because I, I love IU. I would stay at IU if I could for the rest of my life. Right. I know that's not in the cards. So I'm excited to go somewhere new, meet new people, have a new staff, soak up more knowledge, learn new things, pick and choose from even more coaching staffs and stuff I like, don't like, and just experience the world and different parts of the world in basketball. You know, I think that's really exciting to me. And I'm, I'm looking forward to wherever this, this journey does take me. I wanted to ask you, you know, Ward brought up a, a great point about that season with coach Crean, where you had all the talent in the world and you were, like you said, number one in the country on the power rankings and missed the tournament. Year two with Archie became its own interesting story. I think we all thought, okay, year one, the team's got to get its feet under it. Year two, though, Romeo's coming to town, a generational mm-hmm. recruit. We've got Juwan Morgan still. We think he's, you know, going to be an all big 10 player. And it feels like, okay, we're going to turn the corner. And then of course we hit the kind of historic skid of losing 12 out of 13 games. Mm-hmm. What was it like going through that? Um, and what did you learn from that time and sorry to add another question on here, but clearly your mindset is that you want to be a coach someday already while you're on the team. What are you learning from that run and how the coaches kept the team together that you think can help serve you in the future? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's a hard thing to go through losing 12 or 13 in a row, whatever it is, but still like having some life, life in your team and, and trying to instill confidence in them it's hard. Cause then you start to question yourself as a coach. Like, is it me? Like, what am I doing wrong? That's how as a coach, it's like, what am I doing wrong? Cause you're putting your team in the best position to win. And when you don't win, it's, you feel like it's your fault. I've always heard the phrase coaches lose games, players win games, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, 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 it's hard. And nobody ever, I don't want anybody to ever go through that because it's, it sucks. Well, no, know, no, we, we do want Purdue and Kentucky uh, yeah, and Michigan guess, State to go through that. As a coach, we're, we're happy it's for still them. hard. It's hard. And it, I mean, just what I learned from it is that you just still have to stay the course and instill confidence in your players, no matter what the heck's going on. Because in order to get around the corner, your players have to still enjoy being there, even when you're losing. You know, like if you hate where you're playing, it's just going to, keep happening and people are going to leave the team and people aren't going to just don't want to be there. You know, like people work better when they like where they work. So, I mean, just sticking the course and instilling confidence in your players is, is so important. And, and, and just having that relationship is, 
is just paramount. I think player coach relationship is the most important thing I've learned in my whole experience as uh, an Indiana basketball player and being part of the program. And you saw in, in one where it was a couple key players. And in that case, so many players were injured. It was like a devastating rash mm-hmm. of injuries that really led into that. And I know you don't want to make excuses, but there's also the practical aspect of like, we don't have enough guys to go five on five. Is there anybody mm-hmm. down at the hyper we can get to step in? Literally, here? literally that season comes and goes and as you're moving forward is that something you you've still got a lot of those those players on the team right like Mm -hmm. most are you a better team can you be a better team like this season because so many guys went through that 100 percent. and like those 12 13 games how many of them were decided by six points or fewer we were so 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 close if one two plays go a different way you win that game you know like boys we are right there we're playing some of the best teams in the country and competing like we're, we're losing to michigan state who's who's fifth in the country by three points like we're right there boys we're gonna break through and then you get another year you're like this is when we break through guys we we, we went through the hard part we went through those struggles to get to this point to where we don't we can push through those those three possessions that didn't go our way this year where they're going our way we know, we know how to win. You got to learn how to win. You know, some teams know how to win. And I think going through that experience, you learn by not winning how to, how to win sometimes. When we had Bruiser on, we were talking to him about the Indiana-Purdue rivalry. And, you know, for us, it's like, we just got to beat Purdue. It's all about beating mm. Purdue. You're from Bloomington. You get it too. But Bruiser actually said something to us that was a little surprising. He said that from his perspective, for the kids that were on the team that he's coached beating Michigan state means more than beating Purdue to those kids. Do you, mm-hmm. do you, you played for Indiana and now you're on the staff. What game do you take extra joy in, in winning the most? Obviously me being from diehard Hoosier and from Bloomington, I, I Purdue is the team I want to beat the most. Yeah. Just the, the arch rivalry. That's always who, who I use wanted to beat. But Bruce is completely right. Like most of these guys that don't, don't come from Indiana, the, the team that they know most in the Big Ten is Michigan State. Michigan State's been this, the most Final Fours in the last 20 years than any other team in the Big Ten. So a lot of the teams or the guys that we recruit know them and want to beat them because they either they didn't recruit them or um, they just they're always kind of top dog in the Big Ten for right. now. So I think getting the juices flowing for that one is a little easier because you know that you're about to play the best in the team that you've seen win championships. Cause that's in our lifetime, we've seen Michigan state in final four. So yeah. that's, that's the team that we kind of strive to be. We want to be the top dogs, of the big 10. And so beating the top dogs, of the big 10 is, is easy to get up for. In the midst of that terrible run, you do beat Michigan State twice. Mm-hmm. You know, that has to be one of those building blocks because you've mentioned confidence a couple of times. And that, I mean, you can even watch it in the NBA playoffs, you know, even from one quarter to the next, which team has confidence and which doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, is that something you can go back to and build off of? Be like, yeah, I know that was a shit show for a while, 
but we took down Sparty, you know, twice mm -hmm. and just allows mm -hmm. everybody to, to stick around and, and keep buying in because even though it's been rough, everybody, that's kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. Like we could be playing like that pretty much every game if we all stick together. Yeah, hundred percent. Like consistency is also one of the biggest keys. I mean, when you're beating some of the best teams in the country, if you can beat the best team in the country, you can beat anybody, you know, like in, and if you have that attitude where like the same, that same fight, that same, that same energy, that same, whatever it is to go and beat the best team in the country. Why can't you do it tomorrow night against Minnesota Northwestern? Like, I know it's in you. We just got to bring it out every game and it's hard. It's really hard. It's hard to win, but uh, if you can do it against the best teams, you can go do it against anybody. So you've played and now you've been part of the staff for several years at Indiana. What is your single favorite game that you've been a part Whew. of? That's, that's a hard question, but I'd say the single favorite game that I've ever been a part of was probably when Rob Finnessy hit that game winning buzzer beater against Butler. That was, I'd never been a part of a buzzer beater like oh, that wow. in my life. Like I've never a, a half court heave to, to win the game. Obviously, like textbook movie when the, the play doesn't go as, as it was supposed to, doesn't go as planned, but the improv, the improvising of our point guard won the game and then the, the Hail Mary heat, but it was, that was so cool. I mean, I'll be honest when he, I did not think that that shot was going in. When he <laughs> hit it, we, it was just, you couldn't help but just stand up and run to the guy. You know, we, we were starting, coaches were coming out, get off the court. We could, you know, it's not over yet. It's not for sure. But like, it was, I've never been something a part of that. That was that was so so cool. We got to hit him with our Bloomington questions, Ward. He's I a mean, Bloomington. Who, he's he a knows Bloomington more than man. Us. He does. Our, like your your opinions here matter. By the way, like we usually ask people that just stop in Bloomington for a few years. Mm. You what you say here is going to carry more weight. So Ward, you hit him with the first one, maybe the most important one. What is the best pizza in Bloomington? <sighs> Everybody wants me to say Mother Bears. And I think I might have to say Mother Bears. <laughs> okay. okay, okay, good, 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 good. It's that good, but, uh, but, but, but specifically, I get their deep dish. I yes. Don't think any, I, you guys know that? Oh, yeah. that's oh, the only, sure. I don't think they should serve the other kind. I love their deep dish. I agree, I agree, I, I agree. But if you had to go number two, since you've had a lot of pizza in Bloomington, like to me, Mother Bears is special. Like, I don't order Mother Bears when Ward and I are sharing a hotel bed at two in the morning eating Pizza <laughs> X. Like, that's, well, that's Pizza X. That's not a Mother Bears pie. Mother Bears is like, look, that's where you take a date. Like, that's, oh, that's a date. Yeah. But what's number two, like, everyday pizza? Everyday pizza? I mean, my college experience, I would have to say Pizza X. Like, that's the thing. Like, at IU... If you're if you had a, a late night or if you're ordering a pizza, you're ordering Pizza X, pizza or cheesy bread. Their cheesy bread is is the hot commodity among among college kids. Wow! So I, I, I have to go. That's that. oh yeah, you you try it. It's it's good stuff. That's definitely the most popular amongst college kids. I'd say. Wow. I, I'd have to go with that. All right. Now I know you've told us you like Malibu, but we're gonna Malibu cannot be the answer to this question. Okay. You're taking your fiance out for a date. What restaurant are you taking her to? 
So this is a tough question because I know what her answer would be that I would say, and it's going to be the total wrong answer for this question, but I'll give you that answer too. Okay, cool. Um, Date, I'd probably go Yonko's. Yonko's is, I'm a steak guy. Yes. I'm a steak guy. It's the best steak in town. Yes. Um, It's IU, like it's, if you're going for a steak, you got to go. By the way, I'm not asking this sarcastically. Is there another place to get steak in Bloomington? Um, I mean, Malibu, I'm not going to, I'm not getting a steak at Malibu. Yeah. I've never I gotten farm. A, I bet the oh, farm, yeah. farm is, farm is good. Farm is good. I've only, steak. I've only recently started going there, but big fan. But, but the other answer I was going to give yeah. you, which is just, is totally me. Like I have an obsession with Chipotle. <laughs> like I literally, my, on my birthday, my, my, my fiance is like, where do you want to go? We can go anywhere. I'm like, Chipotle. Chipotle is my birthday dinner. What do you do? Are you a burrito or are you a burrito bowl? What do you go with? Depends on my mood, to be honest. If I think I can afford the extra cows, I'll go burrito. But if not, I'm like, bad day. Bowl. Keep it clean. Keep it a little cleaner. Yeah, I like the bowl. Um, Ward, hit him with the next one. Well, it's uh, it's celebration time. Uh, It's not $5 martini night at Malibu. So you got to go to another watering hole. Where are you guys going? Okay, celebration night. I'm going Knicks, hundred percent Knicks. Yes. And I don't know if you got you guys haven't been here since all the all the COVID stuff, no. but like um, Kirkwood is is blocked off now. Like it's pedestrian only, I like and it's that. awesome. It's that should awesome. Be, they like, should they, figure out a way to do that all the time. They should keep. I it. think they kind of are. I think Great. they are, and and it's perfect, especially for Knicks. Like they got they have uh, seating all out on the road. It's so cool, and, it, and especially on when there's nice weather. Nothing like going. Going to uh to Nick's, sitting on on the chair at in the freaking middle of Kirkwood, and having some biz fries, and and a nice cold brew. You know, you can't this, beat that. This is but, one of the good things that can come out of this year is that Kirkwood is pedestrian only going forward. And when Eric's pitching me, trying to get me to come back there in mid December, he's telling me that we could eat out in the middle of Kirkwood, and I'm like, <laughs> this, this, I'm doing this, it. This is not. It's awesome. Great... I'll come with you. Okay. By the way, this is a funny quick aside. The other day, I went to look at the airfare to get to figuring it's going to be so cheap because nobody's flying. Yeah. Well, they've canceled almost. There is no direct flight anymore, Ward, from L.A. to Indianapolis. That's crazy. None. So. Zero. But but I went on kayak.com, you know, which tells you everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and a flight came up. It was forty two thousand dollars. <laughs> It's oh not a joke. God. It's not a joke. The search Holy. result delivered me. Here's your option, sir. $42,000. On some I cannot believe that. I'm like, what in the world? The world has totally gone bonkers. It's gone totally bonkers. Um, Crazy. Let me ask you this, because I want to get more into the food thing, because you have such a good perspective on it. I'll give you an ice cream one that, that, that I don't think. Uh, I was going to ask have. dessert. Yeah. What because do you I have very specific thoughts on this. I am a, I love ice cream. Mm-hmm. Ice cream is probably my favorite dessert. I'm going Jiffy Treat over uh, chocolate mousse. Okay. I'm going, I'm going Culver's over both. Really? Yeah, Culver's. I, I'm not a big Culver's guy. I haven't been there much. Oh, but dude, you got to go there and get a concrete. You got to get a concrete. Yeah. Or concrete. Blizzard. Make sure, I'm telling you, tr- Jiffy Treat, Jiffy Treat, best ice cream. It's the same as Hartzell's. You know Hartzell's right there on the corner. I don't know. Uh, it's along Kirkwood. It's right on Kirkwood. It's 
It's just small, right, small spot. Tree. We'll go there. We'll go there. We'll go to Knicks, then we'll go to Hartzell. All well, right. But so, here's the thing you got to know about us, Johnny. We will go to all of these places one day in the same day. Same day. <laughs> oh, what about Double this? Have you guys Double been dessert. to this is a Bloomington legendary spot. Hinkles. Oh, yeah. Hinkles Come Burgers. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good, is good, phenomenal. Good. I'm and so hungry phenomenal. right now. It's dinner time. Me too. On the West Coast. <laughs> it's, it's nine. It's nine o'clock <laughs> right. here, and I'm so, ready to have a full meal. What about like um, sandwich? If you want a sandwich, where are you going? That's a good question. Um, Dagwoods. Yes. Cool. Yes. Into Dagwoods. Yeah. It's a good yeah. spot. Oh, oh Ultimate yeah. Ultimate turkey sandwich. Ultimate turkey sandwich. I love oh, Dagwoods. Okay. okay, wait. Are you still on food? Yeah, yeah. One more. Okay. Go for it. Because it's so key. Made, look, Little Zagreb's is my favorite. We, we Obviously, Buffalo Louis is like you can eat it all day long. Okay, yeah. Buffalo Louis mean, has to be in it's there. It's a given. Shout out, Ed. It's a given. He's, Ed's the he's man. the man. We love Ed. When we go there, he lets us sit on top of the awning yep. outside, which is definitely not safe for anyone. <laughs> no. Um, but experience. but um, my favorite meal in Bloomington is breakfast. It is breakfast. breakfast. Where do you go for breakfast? There's several good options. There's several good options. I love the Village Jelly, and I love Runcible Spoon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are my two favorites. You got to throw Uptown in there too, though. Uptown. Oh my gosh, Eggs Maryland, Eggs Benedict. Yes. What, hey, if I can, if I have some money, apparently on on a certain day, I'll go to Uptown. There we go. But that's rare because I don't. Here's here's a new one for the show. And I'm I'm horrified I haven't thought of it before because it's how I start every day. I don't wake up in time for breakfast. Certainly not in Bloomington. Are you a coffee guy? I love coffee. Where do you go, Johnny? There's so many places and it feels like there's a new one I've never seen every week. But uh, I love coffee. I, I can't say I, I, my sister would be the one to ask that question. Cause she's literally been to every single one to study or do whatever she does. Bless her. But so I can't answer this question because it's just, I, I don't count. My opinion doesn't count. I, I, it, I hate to say it. It's honestly a sin for saying it, but I'm a, a Starbucks. Yeah. Your words, words going to really be disappointed. I want your sister to, to, to get us some feedback on the place I always go because when I started coming back and I was, I was early on the cold brew coffee train. I was, I was helping leading that charge and Bloomington was there early, especially Soma, you know, where you go downstairs under, uh, under the laughing planet or whatever. That's my jam. If I'm going not Starbucks, I'm going to Soma. Like those are the only two coffee places. Like I've ever been in my life, Starbucks and Soma, Soma. So Soma is my number one in Bloomington, but I need to get out there and branch out and broaden my horizons. And to complete the Bloomington IU questionnaire, least favorite class. We know you stepped it down after Wabash. We know probably the classes got a lot easier. Yeah, sports marketing. (laughs) My classes were all about sports, so it's hard. (laughs) But I'd say my least favorite class, hmm, I actually enjoyed it. It was just my hardest class was – Ah, oh, no. Easy. Finite. Finite. There it is. Yeah, there, there it is. is. Finite. Yeah, there that's it is. Like- no doubt. That's it. That's I probably had a, like, was suppressing that from my memory <laughs> because that's the most failed class at IU by, like, the largest margin ever. I'm was gonna, it that way when you guys were here? I never oh. failed finite. I just quit twice before I did. And then hey. third time was the charm. I skated by with my worst grade of my college yeah. tenure. 
All of my friends had to take finite. I did not have to take finite for some reason. I don't know how you did, did that. Did you take calculus or something? Or I didn't just... take a single math class in Bloomington. Oh, I think, just... to be honest with you, I think that Ledoux High School education and AP calculus got me out of that. Um, or some think... smooth talking to some professor and yeah, somehow yeah, you got out yeah, of that. Yeah, the charm. <laughs> uh, I'm going to add one more question. Have you ever seen Archie Miller laugh really hard? I've seen him laugh pretty, pretty hard. I don't, I don't know. It, I don't think he has a belly laugh, but he's got a laugh where it's, it's real, you know, it's a knee slapper. And I feel like one thing he does laugh a lot at is Bill Comar. Really? Assistant coach. In a loving way. Yeah. We all love everybody. In our, we don't have a problem with anybody in our staff, but Bill is an interesting guy and, and, He's awesome, but it's sometimes he just does some funny things that makes all of us kind of kind of laugh. And and I've seen, I think that's I, I've seen Arch get some good kicks from from uh, from BC. BC is about as authentically sweet of a human being as you can be, right? I mean, there 100%. is not there is not a disingenuous bone in that man's body, and not and, at all. And when you talk to him. He makes you feel like you're the only important person in the world. Like he just wants 100%. to talk to you. So oh, oh, it 100%. got it got weird the first time I met Bill. But like I'm Eric's friend here, and he makes the introduction, and and I start talking with Bill, and and after he's fully engaging me beyond just pleasantries, I'm like, surely there's somebody else he should be talking to now. Surely there's something else he should be doing. Yeah, it was a great conversation once I got comfortable with that level of attention from somebody who had way bigger priorities than me. <laughs> yeah. He's the kind of guy that like, when you ask him how his day is, or he asks you how his day, how you're like, how's your morning going? It turns into a real legit conversation of how your day's going. It's not fine. <laughs> it's I'm doing okay. Mm. No, it's not a pleasantry, but that's, that's the kind of guy he is. He really does care it's about It's not a pleasantry. He doesn't know you. He'll talk to you forever and you'll be his friend after that. I thought you were going to say that the time you saw Archie laugh the hardest is maybe like an end of season meeting when Justin Smith told him he wanted to shoot more threes. I thought maybe that would be it, but I look, we don't need to go into that. I'm sure that has happened. I'm sure that that, that, that did happen. Listen, Johnny, you've been so generous with your time. We're over two hours here. We've been wanting to talk to you. First time I met Johnny, by the way, was at the Victor Oladipo camp. The first night of the camp, it was actually it was Johnny and Bill Comar who met a few of us and gave us a tour of mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And um, you could just tell that Johnny has a pride and a love for Indiana that we feel when we watched you, even when we watched you on the bench. But when we've been able and fortunate enough to see you around the program, the, you take great pride in being part of Indiana University basketball, and that means a tremendous amount to us fans. And you should also know that when I asked your boss, Coach Miller, if it was okay if we interviewed with you, he immediately said, absolutely. He's great. He's a great kid. And he also said he is helping us tremendously. So That's awesome. That makes me you, feel good. Uh, you, you should know that, that you have earned the respect of not just him, but I've also talked to several other of the assistants, and they all say nothing but, but good things about you. I think they all know that there's a good chance one day they may be coming to you for a job. So <laughs> you keep your head down. You know, it's weird because even though Ward and I are probably 20 years older than you, I feel like we're some 
Well, I want to think we're somehow peers, even though we're not. Oh, we are. I still feel we're like Hoosiers, I'm in college. Baby. Yeah. yeah, mentally. Well, mentally and emotionally, Ward and I are still in college. No <laughs> doubt about it. I but Johnny, that. we we love what you um, did for the program as a walk-on, and we love that you've stuck around and helped the continuity with these players and helping to instill what it means to play for Indiana as a Hoosier. And we could not root for you more in your career. You're a good dude, man, and we want nothing but the best for you. Guys, thank you so much for having me on the podcast, for making me feel special and making me feel way cooler and sound way cooler than I actually am. You guys, <laughs> you guys are awesome. You guys are some of the best Indiana Hoosier fans out there. Um, what do you mean some can't of? Wait till you guys what do you mean come back. Of? No, what do you mean top of? top two, and you're not two. Yeah, okay, so, thanks. I mean, who so, the hell else uh, is out there? I can't wait till you guys get back in town so we can we can see each other again and hang out a little bit. Absolutely. And uh, we're we're working our butts off to have a good season and uh, go Hoosiers, baby. Dude, we'll, we'll be rooting for you, and and just know. If you ever want to seem cool, we are the two guys to be hanging out with. Yeah. You, your, oh, 100%. Cool, your cool we, level will suddenly skyrocket, skyrocket, skyrocket no in doubt. comparison to the company that you That's are That's right. Keeping. He's, he's not saying our cool runs no, no, off no, no, on no, you. No, 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 no. We lower. We are such dorks that anyone looks extremely cool hanging out with us. Oh, no. I feel cooler <laughs> hanging out with you guys oh, because you guys no, are cool. No, 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 no. That never happens. Uh, there's only one more thing to do. God on high, heal my prayer. That's as high as I can go now. Yeah. I, <laughs> Still got work, it. Though. That's good stuff. Still That's got good. it. Johnny, you are the man. Can't thank you enough. Good luck. Oh, by the way, we should know. Do you have a wedding date set? Hopefully July 31st. Uh, COVID permitting, July 31st. Can't wait. I love her. That's awesome. Congratulations. What's her name? Give her give her first name shout out. Her name's Maddie. Maddie, my girl Maddie. Maddie. Shout Maddie. out. Love Maddie, you. congratulations. As and my people say, Mazeltov. Mazeltov. Maddie, Johnny, if you you want some marriage advice from sweethearts who met in Bloomington oh. and had we'll a happy marriage, there's one of two people on this podcast you should turn to. But I'll, I'll only give you the hint that it's not Eric. <laughs> <laughs> but but that said, but that said, we're full service here. We're full service here. So if things don't both work out, coin. if things don't work out and you want divorce advice, you come to me. <laughs> Hopefully I won't be coming to you, Eric. I don't plan on it. No, don't. Word, no. I can take all the advice I can get. You're going to be great, man. Congratulations. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Bring him home. Bring him home. Bring him home. I mean, he's just an all-time guy, right? He's just an all-time dude. I was going to say you were like top two, top three, number one yeah. all-time. No, I, he's definitely one of our 20 top threes. Definitely one of our 30 top twos. <laughs> so yeah. fun. It was just so much fun. He's, he's such a fun guy to talk to and be around. And then, you know, he's carrying that into every practice, every workout, every game, every trip. You've got that energy on board. And I know he's got to get stuff accomplished, which we definitely don't do on this show. But you just have to feel good about this chemistry, which I think is so vital to a team's success at any level. And you know he just helps that team cook. Not, not to not to dive back into football, but look at the chemistry on that football team. Yep. You know, I, I mean, the, we talked to Rabbi about it recently. Like, 
the chemistry of linemen knowing what they have to do, even though that's not going to be the glory mm-hmm. so that other guys can do it. It's like the same in basketball. Like that, th- that is the stuff that allows the whole to be greater than the sum of the parts. And then chemistry what, is what makes that. And then I, I don't think we have to name names. I think everybody listening knows the names, but some, you know, addition by subtraction in terms right. of like Devonte Green and Justin Smith. Okay, is there that what go. you meant by not naming names? Yeah, just in case there was somebody brand new listening oh, uh, yeah. who doesn't follow Indiana basketball. Yeah, I just can't. I can't help but think an exodus of that. You have some leaders that have come up, you know, and bought more into the system, and then you have guys like Trey and Anthony showing up who who really know the score before they step on campus. Here's talent. Here's experience. Um, here's know-how by the coaching staff and the experienced players. What are we missing from going from like a good solid season to one where we're all like as jacked about basketball as we are about football right now. And I think that is the secret sauce. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I love Johnny Jager, man. The guy's a stud. He's yeah. such a cool dude. And I love the musical stuff, man. I love that. I, it was just by a total coincidence. I was talking with Russ Mitchell today about something not related. And I brought up, we were going to talk to Johnny and that Russ's son and Johnny were friends from school. And he gave me that stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is red meat, especially for me and Eric. Hopefully our fans will follow us on this too. But you just have no doubt. He's like, clearly such a talented performer great looking dude like if if he gets burnt out on on coaching he'd just come out here and i think he could have a great career in the performing arts he definitely has a charisma about him he's got a a a magnetic personality where you do like you you just want to hear more from him and and he kind of draws you in and it's very warm he's a very warm person very easy to talk to so yeah you can see how it's just nice to watch him on it would be nice to watch him on stage i'm gonna follow up with him and see if he he's got to have video of yeah, that stuff right he grew up in the digital age all our shit's like old vhs that's like basically falling apart but i bet there's some quality bloomington south probably did a nice job taping those productions or is winter's tale on video somewhere I hope not. No, no, no. But seriously, Indiana has to have a record. I would think of every main stage play they've ever done. I would think there was somebody behind the the last row with a VHS tape running, at least for one of those performances. We got to find out. Okay. I, I just hope it's the performance where Annie turned the lights off on you. Oh my God. That would be so <laughs> no, no, Well, she never turned the lights on. Well, she did. She turned no. them on and then turned them off. Yeah. Yeah. You, you walked up onto the stage yeah. and this then, is then my wife, Annie working the lights. She went dark. Accidentally hit one button in the lighting booth early and it just totally went dark on Eric's monologue, which was probably the best thing that happened in that <laughs> production. <laughs> it's definitely the best thing. Well, we don't need to get into that. <laughs> yeah. But I am really starving. Like I was starving already. Yeah. And that whole food conversation, which was our most in-depth and informative ever, led me to say, let's wrap this one out quickly. What What are you uh, going to eat? I, I think out of desperation and speed, I'm going to go down and just get a bunch of Papa John's. What do you mean go down and get a bunch of Papa it, John's? It's down at the bottom of the hill. If I call, by the time I get down there, I can, I can. hopefully they can put it in my car. I might walk in there and grab it. But the thing is- my, I like Papa John's. My college experience was 
I lived on Third Street right next. There was Bears, then Papa John's, then Mother Bears. So in a pinch and to save money, a lot of the times it was Papa John's with the breadsticks and the cheese sticks. And I've indoctrinated the the kids into that. So that's probably what's I don't know happen. the cheese sticks. Are the cheese sticks really good? I only know the breadsticks, which I love with the cheese sauce. Yeah, yeah. No, the cheese sticks are phenomenal. I actually went down. I was like a sophomore in high school and Jared Frank's older brother, Jeff, was a freshman at McNutt. And we went down and I wasn't a drinker in high school, but that was like my first experience with like natural light. We listened to the jerky boys and we ate Papa John's cheese sticks. And it was the best thing I'd ever tasted. It was the first time I put ranch with, with pizza and cheese sticks. It was introduced to me there. So that's always, it always comes back to that seminal experience that really that trip down to Bloomington cemented the deal that Jared and I were going to go to IU also. Um, I don't listen to the jerky boys as much anymore, but I definitely still eat Papa John's. What do you think the chances are that anyone's listening right now? Steve Dodato. All right. So if you are listening, the first person who hears this and sends us a DM on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for Hysterics, no E, no I, but the sometimes why. If you DM us on Twitter with the phrase jerky boys, <laughs> we will send you three Hoosier Hysterics t-shirts. And, and, and bring some glasses so you have them. Oh, he's, you're doing jerky boys. That is jerky boys. Yeah, yeah, he's doing jerky boys. <laughs> All right, look. Uh, so yeah, three t-shirts and you can pick the sizes and we'll send them to you. Just awesome. Johnny Jager's awesome. I love, I love everything. I love his story. I love the ball boy. I love the musical. I love the breakdown of the players. I love the ball screen continuity. I love it all. I love it all. And I really do wish him the best. Yeah, I hope him and the whole team, he's been through some stressful seasons and I hope this is a payoff for all of them and all of us this season that it, it, we're only days away now. And I just really hope as much for, for us as them that this is finally one of those seasons we can all look back at and be like, God, that season was so fun. And that was the turning point. Let's hope. All right, we will see you next week. Goodbye. Was that Jerky Boys? No, that was Kermit. More Kermit. Yeah. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? Good, good. Very good. Watch on the- oh, I thought you were going to join in. Oh, um, and what's on, on the, the other side? side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. And rainbows have nothing to hide